Hey everybody, my name is Dave Jackson and this is Tales from the Backlog, a video games podcast where I'm bringing in guests to talk about the games we play. My guest today is a friend of the show, Xenoglyph Cypher enthusiast and returning for, what is this, like your third or fourth episode of the show, Ryan? Third one, hopefully I'm back for a fourth one if you'll have me. Yeah, Ryan Delaney is back. Hey, how's it going everyone? For those who've been listening since the beginning, Ryan was on the Ghost of Tsushima episodes. So Ghost of Tsushima, Soma, and a short hike. So this is number four. Yeah. This is number four. Yeah. Yeah. My bad. And number four is Returnal. We are going to be talking about Returnal, which is a third person bullet hell roguelike type game developed by Housemark, published by Sony in 2021. The elevator pitch for Returnal, if you're listening and you haven't played it or don't know much about it, is, like I said, a 3D bullet hell. Uh, Usually those are 2D. Roguelike with a sci-fi-ass sci-fi story. Sound right to you? Sounds about perfect. Perfectly described. Yeah, and we're going to get started with kind of some opening thoughts. Uh, I kind of realized I was bearing the lead on a lot of uh, episodes uh, earlier in the show. So opening thoughts about Returnal. I think this game is a blast to play. I had a great time kind of thinking about and uncovering the story as I went. Um, yeah, it's 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 really hard. It has this reputation of being really hard. We're going to talk about that in the episode. But yeah, this game is a blast. Yeah, and I, I have to agree with you completely there. It was, you know, one of the first uh, PlayStation 5 exclusives. It's still one of the only PlayStation 5 exclusives. There's maybe three or four other ones. And, uh, yeah, it was an immediate pickup for me. And, uh, yeah, I never never regretted it. And I never looked back after buying it. For sure. Yeah, and so this episode will be coming out a couple months after we record this. Hopefully the PS5 shortage is a little bit alleviated, but I doubt it. So many people might be listening to this, uh, at least the non-spoiler section of this episode as kind of like a a service until you can actually get a hold of a PS5. Because I I know we're still at that point where not everyone who really wants a PS5 has been able to get one, which kind of sucks. I feel bad for you guys. (laughs) So um, before we get into talking about Returnal, I do want to say the first I don't know, two thirds of this episode, something like that will be spoiler free as every episode of this podcast goes. Uh, But the story and stuff is extremely spoilable if you talk about it for more than a few minutes. So we're going to be kind of light talking about story. And uh, as with a lot of these action games, I do want to save some specific talk about, you know, bosses or other memorable stuff until the spoiler section at the end. So don't worry, we will... um, let you know uh, when that spoiler wall is coming. I also do want to say, and this is this is weird, I'm going to try to say this without spoiling something, but this is important. This game should have a content warning, I think, but if I say what the content is right now, it will spoil the story for you. So uh, right after the spoiler wall, I will give the content warning. So if you are at all worried about any type of content uh, themes or story topics that might be sensitive or triggering for some people, uh, listen right after the spoiler wall. I'll give that content warning and then we will go full spoiler talk. Okay, so we begin every episode of Tales from the Backlog by talking about our personal histories with the game. So Ryan, this is a PS5 exclusive I'm curious to know, like, when you got the PS5, was Returnal one of the first things you wanted to play or something else that brought you to it? 
Well, I got the PS5 in December of 2019, so I've had it for a while, and uh, that was probably about five or six months before Returnal was released. Uh, I'm not sure exactly the release date. Uh, but yeah, it was one of those, I, uh, it was an exclusive, so I knew I was going to pick it up. Uh, it was one of the few chances I could get to really see the power of the PlayStation 5. So I was all about getting it before I even knew anything about it. I was just like, yeah, just an automatic buy on my end, uh, on release. And, uh, yeah, uh, the more I heard about it, the more I started liking it. I'm kind of a sucker for roguelike games. I love, uh, I love some Hades. I like, uh, Loop Hero. I've been playing that a lot these days. Vampire Survivors. Uh, it's also kind of roguelite, uh, but this is different because this is a triple A roguelite, right? And right. Uh, that's one of the genres that you know triple A's really haven't picked up on. It's a kind of an experimental genre. It's certainly not for everybody. So the more I read into it, the more I liked it. And uh, yeah, it's shooty shooty, dodge dodge, bang bang, pew pew, and that's mm-hmm. all up. That's right <laughs> up my alley as well. Um, that should have been the elevator pitch for the episode. Shooty, shooty, dodge, bang, bang, pew, pew. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's exactly what I'm looking for in a game. Uh, these days, you know, I, I don't play too many multiplayer games, so I'm looking for those first-person shooty, shooty, dodge, dodge, pew, pew, bang, bang. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, I didn't really read any reviews for it. Um, it didn't really spoil I didn't want to spoil anything for me. I rarely read reviews on anything um, unless I'm you know, worried about it, uh, like, you know, cyberpunk, something mm-hmm. like that. I'll read some <laughs> reviews for something like that. But uh, for this one, I just, it's an automatic pickup for me. I wasn't worrying about it, uh, you know, disappointing me. Uh, if it did disappoint me, yeah, whatever. It's a PS5 exclusive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was, uh, so 2020, you got the PS5, I'm guessing? Yeah, right? okay, okay, yeah, yeah 2020, yeah, December 2020. 2020. Okay. Okay, just making sure I have my years yes. right. Because I was pretty sure this game came out last year. Yeah, 2021. You know, it's yeah. that co- that COVID time ooze I'm sitting in. Yeah, you know? it, it's all it's all just one blob of time. You're right. <laughs> yeah, for me, um, I got a PS5 a little bit later, but my when I got the PS5, my immediate priority was to play Demon Souls. So as soon as I finished Demon Souls, then I was like, okay, what other exclusives should I play? And I was a bit hesitant about Returnal because uh, number one, I'm not a big fan of shooters. Like, I mean, this this is, uh, you know, in the high 20s episodes of Tales from the Backlog when this episode comes out or maybe even like 30, low 30s. And I don't cover a lot of shooters because I don't really play a lot of shooters. And the ones that I do play, I tend to play them on easy. Like I play Bioshock and Uncharted, uh, those games, I like those games, but I play them on easy because I don't like challenging shooters. And the other thing that kind of put me off of Returnal was the marketing for the game really made it seem like it was a horror game. And uh, Ryan, you know me, I'm not a big fan of horror games. Yeah. So like, but the more like time went on and people started talking about it and like people were not talking about like, you know, Resident Evil 7 is the scariest game I've ever played. People weren't talking about Returnal like that. Uh, And then you, Ryan, you were also talking about how much you enjoyed it. So I just kind of like put it on my wish list, waited for, you know, you know, 33% off sale or something like that and uh, picked it up. And yeah, kind of like you, I I love the uh, shooty, shooty, dodge, dodge, bang, bang, pew, pew. Loved it. Um, 
Playtime, if you're wondering how long uh, Returnal is, my playthrough to get the real ending uh, took 27 hours. Not a platinum trophy, but I did get the real ending for the story. Took 27 hours. Uh, Ryan, do you know about how much you've played it? I've, I just looked it up before the podcast, and it said that I had been in my suit is how it puts playtime. Right. I was in the suit for... <laughs> One day, eight hours and 42 minutes. So okay. I, I'm not sure how long it took me to get that last ending, but it'd probably uh, take eight hours or a day, you know, one day, uh, 24 hours, I guess, total. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah. Something yeah, like I've, that. I've spent one day in uh, in December, basically, playing Returnal. I don't really like how they, they do that. Yeah, they, <laughs> I, I don't, Rather I, than I, just say hours, you know. Give me hours. Saying, oh, you, you spend a whole day of your life, you know, shooty, shooty, pew, pew, dodge, dodge. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. It was time well spent, but uh, it's a little easier to look at in the case of hours. So, you know, it feels like less time wasted. <laughs> yeah. If you're the type of person who's like worried about like, you know, am I wasting my life by playing all these games? Putting it in terms of days is not helping. And like, yeah. I think that like, I think Steam does this sometimes um there's another one i was thinking of where the, they actually put it in weeks and that's even worse if, if you get to that point where it's like you've spent four weeks playing this game yeah that's how <laughs> wow yeah that's i think tough. wow does that <laughs> i've spent i know it's like if you put it that way i've spent a week an entire week of my life playing xenoblade chronicles 2 and i'm not really uh I like that game, but it's not something that I, I'm going to look back at that week of my life and be like, yeah, I'm glad I spent a week doing that, not traveling someplace or something yeah, like sure. that. <laughs> sure. Okay, so uh, we are going to take a little uh, returnal music break. When we come back, we'll get into uh, what it's all about. So, basics of Returnal, we're going to start with the story. Like I said, no spoilers right now, but the basic story setup is, uh, once again, check after the spoiler wall for a content warning, but the uh, basic story setup for Returnal is you play as an astronaut uh, scout named Selene. Uh, Selene is investigating a distress call on the planet Atropos, uh, but while entering the atmosphere, something happens and she crash lands. Uh, on the planet and this is kind of the i think even i think like right when you boot up the game you don't even go to a main menu i think it just kicks you into this crash cutscene. if you can remember all the way back to the first time you played it i'm pretty sure that's how it opens and you don't even get a title screen until you play for i don't know 15 minutes half hour or so yeah and yeah that's, that's true there's there's literally no title screen you can't there's no start new game your only game, there's only one game you can play. Uh, I think you have to do a manual reset if you want to start a new save file. It's just you go into the right. game and that's that's your save file. And you st you boot up the game and you just go straight into where you left off now. But whenever I was playing it, it was you know, start right. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. When, uh, when Ryan, when you played this, there was no uh, save and quit feature, um, I guess. I guess we can talk about that now because that, I guess... I, I don't I don't know why I don't want to try to justify them not putting a save and quit uh, in a game like this. I played it when that feature was there. So did you find that to be 
really off-putting or make things difficult? Really didn't bother me at all because I knew what I was getting into in the runs. It's like, okay, so I'm sitting down. I got to Maybe I'll put three hours into this or two hours. Um, and I, I put my, I know it's a bad habit, but I use my PlayStation sleep mode a lot. So, and I wasn't switching between games. I don't really switch between games much. So, um, I, if I had to, I could just put it into sleep mode and come back to right where I start, uh, I left off. Um, so it really didn't bother me much, but a lot of people hated it. Yeah. And I totally understand if you're the type of person who is nervous about putting your PS5 in sleep mode. That's something I've heard. I've never, I've never had an issue. And now that I've said it out loud, it's going to happen to me this afternoon. But, uh, I, I, mine is in sleep mode all the time it's been in sleep mode for the entire time i've had it basically uh, unless i know like i'm not going to play this in the next couple days i'll just turn it off um but yeah so uh there was no uh save but there is now so don't worry and back to the story uh celine crashes uh like we said you you get no title screen there's no going into the settings like i always do when i boot up a game for the first time just takes you into the game you crash the ship uh celine quickly uh kind of leaves her ship uh she quickly finds out that there is uh, life on the planet you know you're fighting stuff uh, as you go and this is a time loop game so you're going to find this out very early in the game this is something that was part of the marketing it's not a spoiler in my opinion um you play through you find out this is a time loop you wake up uh back at the um during the crash actually every time you die in Returnal, it kicks you back into some version of the crash cutscene or some version of Celine waking up after the crash, and then you uh, you head back out. So, 2021, I feel like, like you said, AAA doesn't really get into roguelikes a whole lot, but I feel like 2021 was like the year of the high, like AAA time loop game. Death Loop came out, uh, Returnal came out. Uh, I feel like they're catching on that using that kind of indie developer trip trick where I feel like a lot of indie devs made roguelikes because it takes less development time. You have to make less content, I feel like, you know, less levels and stuff like that. Uh, and I feel like AAA's caught on to this where they're like, hey, we can, you know, Returnal has just a handful of levels. Whereas if this wasn't a roguelike, it, it would have to have like, you know, 15 20 levels uh something like that so anyway uh that's what you're doing you're you're going through this time loop you're trying to go through and solve the mystery of the uh the story um as you go you pick up kind of lore scraps audio logs Uh, i think the voice acting in those is really good uh so ryan before we get into like that did you enjoy this kind of process of going through picking up audio logs reading the uh the alien language ciphers uh, and stuff like that to try to figure out just what the hell's going on. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty unique way of telling a story, really, uh, to make you go back and do the same thing. And uh, the feeling of hopelessness in Celine, her dying and starting over and doing it again and starting over and finding new things and discovering new things about herself and about her world and you know the world that they're building each run through was a lot of fun and it was pretty interesting. Now, if you were very good at this game, you could really just miss the whole story. You could just burn through it. it um, I mean, speedrunners can do that because they play the game a lot. I think most people won't finish this in one try. 
Oh, no. Uh, but it's completely <laughs> possible. It's completely possible to do it. Um, if you're really, really good at these kind of games, you could definitely finish it in one try and just miss the whole story, basically. But um, the way that they set it up is, you know, you die and you come back to life and you find out more and it reveals more. You go to her her childhood, her house, and then you uh, discover more about her past and whatnot. Each kind of run through kind of puts you through... Um, what would be the scariest moments in the game, I guess, for you, Dave, would be going, oh, yeah. through, going through a house in first person. There's no yeah. jump scares or anything, but it is uh, it is a little tense. It's it little... depends what you're going to qualify as a jump scare, because I definitely get did get jump scared a few times during those house uh, segments, but not not like not like bad bad. You know, um, it's I could handle it, and I'm not someone who like handles jump scares well it just it got me like once or twice uh in those house segments yeah it is a good little like drip feed um of the story and yeah i don't i don't know i don't think i want to go any further than that there is like this is a time loop game there is something kind of creative about the time loop i think but i I think i'll save that for the spoiler section something that kind of differentiates this from uh, like a Majora's Mask time loop or something like that. Uh, but I'll save that for later. Uh, I will say that like this got the kind of Dark Souls level of um, take a drink, everybody. Uh, Dark Souls level of like drip feeding you story that's like one piece of the puzzle over on this side and then another piece of the puzzle that's not connected to the last thing you saw. And it's kind of up to you to fit those things together and kind of piece it together yourself, which means that I did not do that uh, very well because that's just not not how I play. Uh, Ryan, were you able to kind of figure out like, or like get your own interpretation of the story by yourself or did you need outside help like me? Yeah, I I, I got most of it. I kind of got the gist of what was going on um, right. probably by my second playthrough. So uh, I... I a lot of it's based on Greek mythology and there's a lot of Greek names. And uh, even mm-hmm. at one point they mentioned Selene's like Greek American. So it kind of gives you some hints onto relationships between people. And I, I kind of went through and did my own research uh, without spoiling the story by watching a YouTube video or whatever to see the relationship between the different um, names that they kept dropping. They come from Greek right. mythology because they're not, it's not like Zeus. It's all these, you know, right. kind of off brand Atropos <laughs> And uh, Hyperion, like all these like no-name gods and goddesses. Uh, so I kind of went through and looked up the relationship and uh, kind of got an idea of um, how everybody related to each other and uh, you know what different uh, bosses or different characters, uh, what kind of you know, relationship with Selene they had. Um, right. I don't know if I didn't... I, had, I did go back and look at a, a YouTube video and then it, it did point out a couple of things that I missed. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, it did a good job kind of just feeding you a little bit at a time, feeding you a little bit at a time and kind of uh, letting you put the puzzle together yourself uh, like Dark Souls does, you know? Right. And I will say that like, even if you're like me and you're not great at putting those pieces together, um, this this game will give you its basic story. And like, I did figure out like the very basic what's going on uh, because it does actually give you cutscenes with you know, exposition and backstory and stuff throughout the game. But like trying to put all the pieces together, I definitely needed outside help. Uh, There was a lot of like, just kind of like 
sci-fi horror flavor that was coming through for most of the game. And then at the end, it gets a bit more direct. Um, there's a lot of, t- like I wrote this down, there's a lot of times where you would get like a, you'd check something and it would say like a boy with tentacles coming out of his mouth. And I would be like, hmm, yes, a boy with tentacles coming out of his mouth. Very cool. Moving on. Um, that's just kind of how I just kind of vibe with this game, similar to how I go through or went through Bloodborne my first time and stuff like that. Well, yeah, and it does have uh, similar to Bloodborne. It's like uh, Lovecraftian in a way. There's a lot of tentacles. There's a lot of tentacle going on in that game. A lot yeah. of tentacle, and uh, it is kind of you know the Eldritch Horror. Uh, a lot of the enemies are just based on you know Lovecraftian designs and mm-hmm. weird octopus monsters and whatnot. Yeah, for sure. So, like, I, I do think this is a game that if you're like me, uh, you should go. Well, you should play it first. Try to figure out as much as you can, but. There are a lot of uh, good videos and stuff where people are explaining like what's going on in the story uh, and like giving you different theories for what's going on in the story. I'm going to share my theory in the spoiler section for like what is actually happening in the game, uh, but it, that'll be in the spoiler section. So uh do want to point out, I mentioned this before, there is a secret ending uh, for the game. I do think people should know that, but... Um, it's pretty obvious because after the credits roll, it just puts you back in the game and it's very clear that like things are not done, you know? And so you get this quest to uh, do something. I'm not going to say what you have to do, but you have to go do something else. And uh, Celine comments on it. So it's a very clear indication that you're not done. I do really recommend doing that and getting the secret ending because it will give you a lot of uh, clarity on what's actually happening in the story. So I'm throughout past episodes of the show, I've been very kind of against hidden secret endings that are actually like the real ending of the story. And Returnals is not really hidden. It's uh, it's pretty clear, I think. Yeah, and they make you go through a little bit of a process to get the real ending. You have to, a little collect-a-thon, if you will. Mm-hmm. And maybe not my favorite way of, of presenting a real ending, but it wasn't really that hard. It's kind of one of those collectathons where if you just play the game a little more, you'll naturally come across these things. You're not banjo kazooing, trying to do some right. know, goof, goofy backflips <laughs> and getting up to these weird levels. And uh, so it's it's pretty easy to get it if you just play the game uh, a little more. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things where like. If you beat the game and you got the first set of credits, you can absolutely beat the game again uh, doing the requirements to get the real ending. It's not like uh, not like in Hollow Knight where to get the secret ending, you have to beat like the hardest boss ever created in video games. It's not really like that in Returnal. So I do recommend people go uh, seek out that that extra ending. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and yeah, comparing it, yeah, it, it gets easier too. It's actually easier after you beat the game uh, to just run through it again. You get a mm-hmm. lot faster. Yeah, each time you play, it, you get a lot faster. By the by, the time you get to that uh, that point, you're you're much better at the game, and the you have a you have a lot better grasp on like where you should be looking and how to kill basically all of the enemies. Um, not to say it was a total cakewalk to get that real ending, because for me it wasn't. But that's just because maybe some weaknesses in my play style and stuff like that. But yeah, definitely recommend. Yeah, the way the meta progression works, it just it just gets easier every time you play. Little bit, yeah. We'll uh, we'll get into that 
uh, roguelike progression stuff li- a little bit later on. Right now, I want to talk about how this game looks because this is one of the first games I played visually that was like, holy shit, this is a PS5 game. This this would not be a PS4 game. You know, this game runs super smooth. Uh, the environments are are really like the environments are dark but it's contrasted with the enemies that have a lot of like really cool bioluminescence. And then the screen gets filled up with these glowing, you know, red, blue, purple uh, projectile stuff. And you have this really, I like the visual contrast between like the really dark levels and basically everything else of note is kind of glowing enemies, items, projectiles. Uh, I know there's some people who just think the game is too dark and it makes it hard to read what the enemies are doing, I never found that to be an issue. I really like the contrast. Yeah, I agree with you about the bioluminescent, the big orbs coming at you and uh, lighting everything up. I also found it a bit dark in some areas. Uh, mm-hmm. A couple of the biomes were a lot darker than others, and there's just pits sometimes that are just very <laughs> aggravating. Yeah, there that are you just yeah. can't see. You can't you can't see them. It's just just a little too dark. Um, yeah, that's my biggest gripe about the game. Really, is uh, some some areas are a bit too dark, uh, but it it adds to the flavor of the game for sure. There's a reason they made it dark. Definitely, in some areas, I guess like the first level is one of the darkest levels, and maybe that's not the best for new players who are going to struggle in the first level of this game. I think um, so. Making that really really dark and making it hard to see enemy windups and stuff like that it might be maybe having the first level be the darkest until uh, way later in the game maybe that's not a great idea yeah i could agree with you there it was um i mean it, it wasn't off-putting it didn't make me put it down but it was a bit aggravating at times falling into pits i can't see you're getting hit by something that uh you know i couldn't see anybody winding up mm-hmm. as you mentioned yeah for sure and yeah i like I don't know. I mean, graphically, it's a PS5 AAA uh, game. It looks uh, looks really, really good. There is some... Well, this is bullet hell. So you get to this point where the screen is full of stuff. Uh, so did you find the attacks and projectiles to be like easily readable and therefore avoidable? Well, you have your iframes. Uh, you, the dodge really helps. <laughs> it really, really helps. Um, and I'm I'm decent at Dark Souls games, those Soulsborne games, where I can hit that dodge button and get away from stuff uh, pretty easily. So yeah, it's pretty. The projectors are really slow moving in general. Most and, of them, uh, yeah. In general, they just move so slow at you, where it's pretty easy to find your find a way to get out, of, either run out of the way or just dodge right through them. Yeah, in bullet hell like part of the part of the trick to those games is like not panicking and just realizing like where your safe space is uh on the screen like um uh, i don't i use enter the gungeon as an example uh part of the reason i suck at that game is because i panic when the screen is full of stuff and in returnal i just found it a bit easier to uh know where the safe space is other than you know you're not looking at the ground because you're busy uh, during these fights. And you're right. There are a lot of cliffs that you can dodge off of if you're not totally aware of where you are. Sometimes there are just like straight up pits in the middle of the the screens. So I, I, I'm definitely with you there. 
Yeah, and it, another thing that it's dark. So I catch myself looking at the mini map so often because the mini map tells you where all the enemies are. Yeah, it's so real helpful. I, yeah, and I have quite a big TV, so I'm constantly turning my head, <laughs> yeah. head a bit to like look down at the mini map. And uh, <laughs> that might be one of my biggest gripes. Is uh, yeah, you, you it is dark, and uh, you do have to use that mini map to navigate around. And you have to use the map no matter what. You're, mm-hmm. There's just so many different uh, the paths that you go off. I'm sure we're going to talk about it later. Um, the procedurally generated uh, level design. Uh, it, it does depend on that map a lot. And using that mini map really helps uh, figure out where yeah. all the enemies are. The, this this is kind of a theme where like during, during most of the combat, especially later on in the game, you have like, it's like taking your full attention on the combat. You need to know where you are in the level, stay away from edges to dodge off of, uh, obviously know where the enemies are, know where the attacks are. Uh, I use that mini map because one of the drawbacks to 3D um, bullet hell is there's going to be stuff behind you where like top down bullet hell, obviously you see everything. So you need to be aware of where everything is. That mini map will show you, but like, you're real busy looking at other stuff most of the time, but it is a good mini map. It gives you, I think all the information you need. Mm, absolutely. And it tells you where all the little secrets are and everything. It's uh mm-hmm. doesn't leave much room for exploration, like extra exploration. It's just like, okay, this is what every, everything in this room is in these different places. You can figure out how to get, get to them on your, yourself. Um, I'm a big fan of secrets. I love, I love finding little secrets and stuff, but this game, it really doesn't have any, <laughs> uh, except for the story the story itself like uncovering the story uncovering those secrets right but uh, other than that you know you just it, it just sets you, puts you in a room and says okay here's where everything is here's where the enemies are kill the enemies and collect all the stuff and then go to the next room and do it again yep basically and that's the gameplay loop in a nutshell you know yeah for sure um one thing uh one last thing before we get into talking about uh kind of combat and stuff like that is um do you First of all, do you play games with headphones? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I don't okay. think there's this any is, other way to play. Yeah, this is uh, this is near the top of the list of like games that I think you got to play with headphones because it has like really, especially if you have like 3D audio capable headphones, because this game has like incredible uh, 3D audio. Uh, so like if you're playing it, there's stuff behind you that you can't see, but you can hear it uh, behind you if you have that 3D audio going. Uh, the controller is also like in my head when I'm thinking about the audio design, the controller also plays into this because you get feedback from the PS5 controller. Um, and the soundscape is like, I, I hesitate to call a lot of it a soundtrack because, uh, you know, there's not, I'm not going to listen to this when I'm working or something like that, but it just perfectly fits this game and it's creepy, it's scary. Um, I really, really enjoy just the sound design in general. Yeah, the biomes are amazing in that respect because uh, you get in a little jungle biome and you can hear little drippy drips, you can hear mm-hmm. drops, and you can hear these little tentacle creatures. You can hear their tentacles slapping against each other and stuff yeah. through the 3D. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was amazing. And then you get to uh, like the ice level and it's more of an echo. And uh, you get to the sand level and it's more of a dampened sound. So they change the audio mixing based on the biomes. Yeah, it sounds incredible. It sounds great. Such a good yeah. sounding game. Yeah, later in the game, you get that you get a, a power up that lets you go underwater. Um, and when you go underwater, they 
changed the soundscape to fit that too. It's it's really really good. And yeah, like during combat, you get a lot of um you get a lot of information from the sound. Uh not necessarily like um this enemy will make this specific sound when they do this specific attack. I don't remember that being a huge thing the way it is in a lot of, or some other games, but I I do remember being like, I hear something behind me. Let me dodge out of the way real quick and like, make sure I don't get, you know, hit from behind. It it definitely takes that into account when they, because they know like, there's going to be stuff behind you. This is a genre that's traditionally top down. They do give you that information. It's just, it's in sound. It's not in, you know, the, the top down view that gives you everything visually. Right. And yeah, the game that comes to mind when you're talking about telegraphing attacks through sound, Horizon uh, Zero Dawn, we're mm-hmm. playing the next one. It has that sound where the, uh, you know, all the robots are they're powering up the, and then you just know, how, you know, to dodge at that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can hear it. But yeah, this game really doesn't do much of that, but it, it lets you know that there's something behind you. Uh, it, there's, it doesn't say, I'm powering up. It's not, you know, Kamehameha. <laughs> they're not saying Haryuken or anything. But uh, yeah, it, uh, uh, the sound design is incredible. Uh, it is one of the high points of the game. It's one of those next-gen next feeling. Uh, along with several other parts of this game, uh, is the fir- as you mentioned, it's like one of those first, oh, wow, this is a next-gen game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sound design, the graphics, and I'm sure we're going to talk about the controller as well. It's- yeah. So that's a good segue to listen to some of that soundscape. You'll see what I mean when it's more of a soundscape than a, you know, an OST or something like that. Um When we come back, we'll talk about combat because a lot of what you're doing in this game is fighting. Combat in Returnal, uh, first thing I want to talk about is uh, difficulty, because this is one of those games that whenever you bring it up, um, tell people, hey, I really like the game Returnal, people say, I heard that's really fucking hard. So, uh, Ryan, did you find this to be uh, difficult, first off? I'm a shooty-shooty-bang-bang kind of guy, so it wasn't really that bad for me. The biggest trouble I had, the biggest hurdle was the first boss. Right. And af- after getting past the first boss, the game's kind of a cakewalk after that. It's uh, You start getting uh, an idea of how the mechanics work and how to dodge and when to dodge and how important timing is, when to use your melee attacks and whatnot. And uh, yeah, by the time I finished the first boss, the rest of the game went by pretty quickly. Uh, it's funny how some of the loops, you know, you just you just get a bad a bad set of uh, power-ups you get a bad set of weapons and the loop you're just like ah you're struggling but you're still progressing a lot as far as your skill level is concerned and you're learning to adapt to not having the weapon you like or not having the power-ups that really give you the um i don't know the alt cooldown for example or mm-hmm. uh yeah it's uh to me it really wasn't that bad uh it's it's hard to compare it to a game like Dark Souls or something. It, it is. It's easy. I guess it's easy. You just keep playing and playing and playing, and eventually you'll you'll figure it out and you'll 
yeah. be able to progress farther. So I do want to just like get out in front of that. Um, I don't think this game is very Souls-like, you know? I think this is this is one of those things where like if you if you hear like a reviewer say like, you know, this is the Dark Souls of third person shooters, it's not. It's it's very different. It's just hard. Um but what one similarity that it does have with like the first time you play Dark Souls is the first level and the first boss are just really hard until you you're not going to beat that first boss until you've really like mastered what's going on and so you'll be ready for everything else that comes on so like i think i was talking to you when i was going through the first level and uh i i must have died to the first boss 10 or 15 times and like that that's a big time commitment because it takes like you know 15 minutes at least to get back to the boss you got to gear up grab some stuff get yourself ready I beat the first boss after so many tries and then like you said it it clicked and I beat I beat the next 3 bosses all in a row like it was like a 4 or 5 hour play session where I didn't die at all cuz it just clicked I was ready and uh after that yeah it, it was good and then I hit a few difficulty walls later in the game uh, which I'll talk about in the spoiler section uh but it definitely is one of those games that it's really hard when you start you have to get used to the rhythm, the dodging, uh, everything like that. You have to get used to the fact that your character controls like su- in such an arcadey way, you know, jumping, dodging, eventually grapple hooking around. But yeah, once it clicks, uh, I I don't think that this game is any harder than, you know, I, I won't say that. I think this game's hard, but it's not like a, it's not unfair, I don't feel like. No, yeah, absolutely not. Yeah, uh, it's it's completely fair and how they do everything. And it's just, I think the reason the first level is hard is trying to prepare you for the rest of the game. Like you said, I had the same experience as you. After I beat the first boss, uh, the next two or three were it was easy. It, it felt easy. It just felt more natural. Um, yeah, it, it was a bump. It was a bump. But um, yeah, after after playing oh. for a bit. Yeah, yeah, I misspoke. Uh, I beat after I beat the second boss because the the second level took me like I don't know three or four tries to get through. After I beat the second boss, I beat the next three levels just like in a row. Uh, yeah, and very, the beauty, the, the beauty is you only have to fight those bosses once, right? You, and that's and uh, you you get a key to go to the next biome, and then you just never have to see that first boss ever again if you don't want to. Exactly. You can you can fight it and get some rewards, but I found that the rewards from fighting the boss were just not worth it. You, I'd end up taking way more damage than what the mm-hmm. reward was worth. But it is kind of cathartic after struggling against the first boss to come back when you're like way powered up later in the game, and just beat his ass. I did enjoy that doing that a few times. Absolutely, <laughs> me as well. Me as well. So uh, it is a hard game, but uh, I do think people should know there are some ways to make it a little bit easier uh, for you. In the options, you can turn on aim assist. Uh, It's actually on kind of like a medium setting by default, but you can turn it on higher. So I played this game with maximum aim assist because, well, I'm just, you know, not in it for the extreme precision shooting challenge. There's a lot going on on the screen. There's a lot of times where enemies are really far away from you. So that aim assist is pretty helpful. Uh, You can turn on auto sprint in the options if you want uh, instead of, I think it's clicking l3 uh to sprint if i'm remembering that right or yeah, r3 if you're, if, 
if you're walking in the game, you're playing it wrong anyway. <laughs> you know, like there's no reason to walk. It should have been. It's definitely. Can people. we add zip zip to the uh, shoot shoot pew pew dodge dodge? Because you, you should be sprinting around. Your character runs so fast. It's very arcadey. Uh, so you can just turn on auto sprint in the options if you want. Uh, I didn't. I probably should have. There's no reason for me. Like like you said, I don't remember a time where I was like, I'm glad I'm walking here. You know. <laughs> right. I mean, I probably could have saved me from walking off the cliff, uh, walking off cliffs, but that's yeah, for true. the most part, I'm just, I don't think there's any reason to be walking. You're just, you're trying to zip to the next room and you need to collect your obelites and you need to go around and get things before they disappear sometimes. So, Yeah. So you're, you're sprinting around, you're jumping around, you're dodging, you're zipping around. Uh, one last thing about the, the difficulty though, um, the difficulty does play into the story, I think. He plays into the themes of the story. Uh, the fact that this game is difficult, it's a big challenge to overcome. Uh, the character's story is also a big challenge to overcome. I won't go any further than that, but I, I do feel like that feeds into the story. But I understand if anyone's like, well, I'm frustrated playing the game. I don't give a shit what's going on with the story. I get that, but I do think it does feed into the the themes of the story. Yeah, I agree with you. And I didn't change. Uh, I'm one of those naturalists where I'll just give the default settings. I'll take the default, whatever they throw at me. Default. I'll play every game on normal. Mm-hmm. You know, unless it's unless it feels too easy, unless I'm just murdering it. Um, but yeah, I kept the I guess default auto aim on. And yeah, I, I I thought it was a like I said, it was perfectly fine for me. It wasn't. I didn't think it was too hard. Like a lot of people were saying, I didn't think it was too easy. About the perfect difficulty for me, actually. You know, I like to die sometime. Yeah, and you will. Uh, I I don't think that there. I don't. I don't really think there's anybody who comes into this game unfamiliar and is not going to struggle with the opening level and then find something else later in the game that's that's kind of difficult. So it is a hard game. Uh, this is bullet hell third person shooting, and I did kind of bring up points here and there at at some point earlier in the episode, but this is just a very video gamey, arcadey feeling game. Like we said, you you run really fast, you jump really far, you have this air dodge, you get a grapple hook later in the game, uh, you have your dash that has iframes. Um, but I wanted to ask you, Ryan, so like, have you played a lot of other bullet hell games, like 2D stuff, Enter the Gungeon, stuff like that? Yeah, I like Gungeon all right. Um, I haven't mastered it by any means, but I've definitely beat the dragon. And I, okay. didn't, I didn't beat the the last boss where you go to hell and <laughs> I didn't beat that one but I, I got the the basic ending uh okay did you find this game easier than, than like dungeon than yeah, Gungeon? Absolutely. absolutely Gungeon's hard this is yeah. a hard game especially getting the true ending on Gungeon that's a that's a feat that's something to be proud of um I don't mm-hmm. have the patience for that but I'm confident if I kept playing and playing and playing I could get the the actual ending on Gungeon but yeah, Gungeon's way harder in my opinion. Um, as far as like the style of the game's concerned, I think it drew a lot of inspiration from Nier Automata. Uh, as far as the bullet, you know, Nier does that sometimes too, where they it do yeah. a little 3D bullet hell. And, and the bosses really, really, for sure. Really arcadey. I think it takes it to another level for sure. Nier doesn't have um, nearly as much of a bullet hell as this game does, but um, I'd mm-hmm. compare it to that if you like the, the battle scenes in Nier. Yeah, not a bad comparison. It's it's definitely got a lot more depth than Returnal, but it's uh, if you've played Nier Automata and you 
and you're trying to visualize what Returnal looks like, uh, just a lot of different types of projectiles in Returnal. I feel like Nier just kind of filled the screen with those red orbs and, you know, there's 200 of those. Returnal has a bunch of different types of projectiles with different, you know, some of them are ground-based, you have to jump over or dodge through. Some of them are air-based, just, you know, get out of the way, stuff like that. The reason I ask uh, about, like, just comparing it to Gungeon, because it's something we both have in common. Uh, I also think Gungeon is way harder than Returnal. And uh, I was just kind of thinking about why. Like, Returnal's hard. Uh, and, like, I, I'll i never beat Enter the Gungeon. It's, it's just too hard. I played it for 10 to 15 hours, and I can't beat the second level. It's just, I, I just something about it. I just can't do it. Uh, but Returnal in 3D is just easier i think i think having being able to jump over stuff that's that's one thing being able to grapple hook your way out of a bad situation later in the game that definitely helps i just find this yeah easier than and i try and think of like 2d shoot 'em ups stuff like that anything where the screen is filled with projectiles i think returnal's easier than most of those games yeah, I mean, Gungeon, you can get some broken builds. With Returnal, I'm sure we're going to talk about this later, but there's not really any broken builds. Right. Um, Gungeon can be easy if you just get really lucky. If you get really lucky on your pickups, uh, Gungeon can be an easier experience. But yeah, like, like I said, if you're trying to beat the last boss on Gungeon, it's way, way harder in general than mm-hmm. uh, Returnal is, for sure. So in Returnal kind of like Gungeon, uh, the main thing you're doing is uh, shooting, running and shooting as a third-person shooter. So the main thing you're going to do is you're going to pick up uh, one weapon. Uh, this is not like other uh, shooters where you get like, you know, your main weapon and a sidearm. In Returnal, it's just one. Uh, so whenever you pick up a new weapon, you have to get rid of your old one. Uh, so uh, I guess this isn't a spoiler because people who haven't played this won't mean anything to you. Uh, but Ryan, what's your favorite weapon? In return, uh, Hollow Seeker is probably my favorite. It's uh, it's really lazy because you don't have to aim that much. I guess if you, especially if you have auto aim all the way up, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, it's probably pretty easy to play that game. It's pretty lazy. It's it's a it's a seeking heat seeking uh, missile thing. Uh, I really like the carbine. The assault rifle was perfectly fine with me, except for if it had one of the extra traits, the uh, slow shooting trait. If it had mm-hmm. like a, a faster trait, or if it had um the piercing trait uh it's it's really good i didn't like your favorite weapon i'll let you talk about your favorite weapon so you didn't Uh, like the electro pylon driver i didn't like it at first until you said it was good until you said you uh, you could talk you should talk about it first and then i'll say why i didn't like it. okay this is and this is uh so the hollow seeker like ryan said uh before is one of my favorites it's a weapon that shoots like it shoots like I, I feel like it shoots like a hundred tiny little things, kind of like uh, tracking things all out at the same time, and or like a hundred per second. It's 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 one of those like extremely low damage per projectile, but it shoots a ton uh, like that. It's really really good. Um, I like the rocket launcher, uh, especially when you get that full auto trait. You're just auto firing rockets. I love that. Uh, but the electro pylon driver is my favorite. And it's interesting because this is the exact type of weapon that in any other game I would never use. But in Returnal, I found it to be super useful. So it's a weapon where you shoot these uh, pylons and it connects electricity between the pylons that you shoot. So you can set up traps with it, but I didn't do that because if you just 
fill an enemy full of pylons, it'll just damage over time it to death. And I just found this to be super useful and it kind of made me reevaluate. Like if I play another game that has a weapon like this, maybe I should try it because uh, I beat the final boss three times, I think, and I could not beat it without the Electro Pylon Driver. Uh, I took a Hollow Seeker in there a few times, couldn't beat it. Uh, I took a Carbine in there one time, couldn't beat it. Pylon Driver, I was three for three. So it just spoke to me. Yeah, and I picked it up and I went to one room and I was like, this is trash. And there, <laughs> there, there are guns in the game that are just trash. There, there are, that, yeah. There's mm-hmm. probably three or four guns that are almost unusable for me. The Dreadnought is one of them uh, where you shoot and you have to hit your target and then you get your bullet back. Yeah. Supposedly the, it's supposed to be good if you're good at aiming, but I guess I'm not good at aiming. Um, need that aim assist. There's uh, the grenade launcher's <laughs> garbage. The yep. Grenade launcher's garbage. The There's another grenade launcher. There's two grenade launchers. They're both trash. Um, but yeah, I, I picked up the Electron the, and I, I got to one room and I was like, this is unusable. I can't use this. And then I, you said that you beat the game with it. And I went back and I played it. And I was like, wow, this is actually pretty cool. And then I started... I went to an empty room and started playing with it. And it, it's, it looks really cool if you set up your little traps. You can go around. If, you have, if you're in a tunnel or something, you can just put pylons around and you can have a little net of pylons. Mm-hmm. And it looks awesome. Um, and I definitely didn't give it uh, the credit it deserves the first time I, I picked it up. I really, and then I, every time I saw it after that first time, I just never touched it. Never touched it. Same. But. So like, yeah, the same thing happened to me when I first picked it up. But I got into one of those runs where I like the only weapon I could find was an electro pylon driver. And so I picked it up and I suddenly just things like health just started melting from a lot of these enemies. And I was like, this is actually really fucking good. So that's definitely my favorite. But you don't unlock it for a while. It's kind of a slow drip of new weapons as you make your way through the game. One other just quick comment about the weapons this is this is like the only shooter I can think of where a shotgun is really bad, like not useful in my opinion, because you don't want to be so close to all these enemies, I don't think. Right. But you, um, it's okay. The shotgun was okay. Uh, if you get the right traits for it, if you get the slug, the slug, you can hit them from far away. It's it's fine. But yeah, it's one of the worst shotgun. It's It's better than probably about three or four of the other weapons. I would take the shotgun over the dreadnought or the um, the lobster lobber or whatever that gun is, right? Uh, the one of the grenade launchers. I'd take it over that, but it, yeah, you definitely you don't you want to put some distance between you and your enemies for the most part, especially early in the game. Yeah, yeah, and, and maybe, maybe somebody could be good with maybe it's good for some certain playstyle. I'm sure but, someone. Uh, yeah, I'm sure there. Are, I'm sure there are people who are like, I can only beat the game with the shotgun. What are you talking about, Dave? But I don't know. Uh, there's certain brought... bosses that are be almost impossible with the shotgun, though. Yeah. Well, there's yeah. one 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 boss in particular that you probably you could beat it, but it takes some patience for sure. Right. Right. One thing we've mentioned this a few times, and I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but each weapon has a couple of traits, and you'll unlock new traits as you play through the game. As you use the weapon, uh, you'll kind of get experience for that weapon and you'll unlock new traits or you'll level up the traits that you had before so like i mentioned uh, the rocket launcher you start out it's just a regular rocket launcher um, but you'll unlock a trait that auto fires rockets so it's an automatic uh, thing it makes it way better 
Uh, the hollow seeker, like you said, I wrote down a couple of traits that I really liked are waves where it'll shoot like uh, an energy wave out of the gun that does a ton of damage or uh, the portal beam where it'll just set up a, a turret next to you to shoot a laser at everything. And you unlock those as you go through the game. So a lot of those are really good. The other thing about the guns is uh, since you only have one gun, the way they kind of mix up combat is you have this alt fire system uh, that uses the PS5 controller uh, and the adaptive triggers. So if you pull down the trigger halfway, right? If you pull it down halfway, you'll do the regular shot. And if you pull it down all the way, you'll do the alternate fire. Did I mix that up? Yeah, if you, you're right, you're right, you got it right. Yeah, so if you pull it down uh, halfway, you're aiming down the sights, you're shooting your gun. Um, also, just mentioning, hip firing is not any worse than aiming down the sights. There's yeah, no real reason to aim down the sights in this game. Yeah, ADS was almost pointless on this game. For me, I, I hardly ever used it, unless I was just really trying to snipe somebody from far away. But yeah. Right, hip so anyway. Where is that? pulling the trigger all the way and you'll get that resistance from the PS5 controller. So it seems like if you've never used a PS5 controller and you're listening, you're like, that seems like I would use the wrong thing often. Almost never happens uh, because the controllers, like adaptive triggers are so good. Um, So you'll get this alt fire. So for the, I'm just thinking of like, uh, I don't know, alternate attacks. So for the, um, for a couple of the weapons, just an a, a, uh, example, one of the best alt fires is called Void Beam that just shoots a super powerful laser. And if you keep it on the enemy as they move around, their health will just melt down. And it doesn't really matter what the primary function of your weapon is. Uh, the alt fires are totally separate things. And these have a, um, a cooldown. You can uh, kind of use items, I think, to mitigate those cooldowns, but we'll, we'll talk about the items later. They kind of suck. They're not really reliable. So it's kind of just like, use your alt fire. It's a super powerful attack. Kind of keep track of the cooldown, and then you'll get a sound cue when your alt fire is ready so that like you, you're focusing on combat really, really good, but you'll get a very distinct sound cue when the alt fire is ready again. It's another sound design thing that's really awesome. Yeah, I agree, and I really like the use of the haptic haptic triggers it's one of the first i guess it's the first game that i've played that really utilizes um yeah it, it has two different functions halfway as you said is ads and then all the way is the alt fire and yeah the controller felt good the controls themselves felt smooth and uh yeah it was one of the first games where i really said wow this is next gen stuff right here and uh as you're shooting uh, this game doesn't have ammo it has a kind of overcharge or kind of energy depleted thing like overheat in other games that don't have ammo you know uh, but it does have an active reload system i've never played gears of war but i'm i've i've heard comparisons to gears of war where you'll get kind of a, a you know a bar on the screen and as it fills up if you hit it in the middle um by i think it's pressing the fire button you'll get uh, all your ammo back uh immediately you don't have to wait and Again, a good sound cue when that happens, so you know that you hit it. You get a a little visual cue, but again, during the fights, you're busy. You're running around, you're dodging, you're bopping, dodging, zipping, all of those those helpful descriptors. Were you, uh, did you use the active reload? Did you kind of get a mastery on that? Kind of essential for the game, and you really 
learn to get a rhythm uh, involved with certain weapons. You kind of get a feel for how long you're shooting before the active reload starts. Mm -hmm. And hitting that active reload uh, is really important for, you know, burning through the game, burning people up. Because if you miss it, it it gives you kind of a penalty. You got to wait a little longer. Yeah, it was. It's a great system to uh, get involved, but like you said, you got to kind of. You're. It's sometimes you can fail it just because you're not paying attention to this little bar. You got to. It's kind of a rhythm game almost. Mm-hmm. You got to hit hit the trigger within the right rhythm. It takes a little while to get used to, but um, after you get used to it, it's a perfectly viable way to make you better at the game for sure. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Like it is kind. It is rhythmic. It's different for every weapon. Because uh, some weapons, uh, like the Electro Pylon Driver, I wasn't great at it. Uh, but with when I'm thinking of when I used that auto-fire uh, rocket launcher, I did get the rhythm of that. So it's like, do-do-do, 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 and then doop, hit the thing, do-do-do, do-do. And it, it had a really repeatable rhythm, I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's, what, uh, that's what makes it fun, is to get those rhythms down. Uh, with a gun like the Hollow Seeker, you got, like you said, you got 150, 200 bullets. So it's kind of hard to judge when you need to reload because it's a little longer so some yeah some will take longer as you said and some are shorter rhythms and it's just Mm -hmm. all about getting into the rhythm and uh it really once you get into the rhythm it really makes you feel more of like a badass you know it makes you really burn through the game a lot easier for sure you can definitely get in the zone with all parts of the combat using your alt fire uh the second it's available using your primary fire, hitting that active reload, dodging. There's a an absolute like like zen like zone you can get into playing Returnal. It's really, really cool when you hit that. I agree. Yeah. Feels good. It's very yeah. satisfying. One other thing about the combat later in um or like this, I guess this is your last combat kind of attack move that you have is not far into the game you'll get a melee attack. It's like a lightsaber that you pick up. Uh, they will kind of present this to you early in the game as like a Metroidvania thing where you're going to use this to clear, you know, open doors, but that kind of goes away. And I don't know, early in the game, I was kind of like, oh, okay, I have this lightsaber, use it to open doors or get through energy shields or whatever. Like that's the the main use for it is some enemies have these big red shields and the only way to break it is with a melee attack. Uh, but I found later in the game, kind of like a secret I discovered is that melee attack is really powerful, but it's like a risk reward because you got to get close to use it. And these enemies hit pretty hard. You don't want to fuck up your adrenaline, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. Uh, But like, especially just little grunt type enemies, uh, they die in one melee hit turrets die in one melee hit. And that took me a little bit to discover because I was trying to play a bit more cautiously, but it ends up being, not as risky as it sounds to get in the fray, start swinging the sword, dodge around, and stuff like that, I think. Yeah, I gotta agree. Um, I didn't play that aggressively at first, just like you did, and I used it more as, you know, somebody's right on me. I need to start swinging my sword. The tree guys in the first biome, uh, mm-hmm. they would just get right on you, and they were, it was very useful to um, start swinging your sword at them. Uh, but yeah, it took me a little while to consider it, and I less of a defensive weapon than a offensive weapon yeah for sure later in the game you kind of realize like i was like you yeah like this enemy got too close shit shit melee melee you know but later on you do kind of realize like 
I can just jump in and melee that guy and then I don't have to spend, you know, five seconds shooting him dead because uh, the melee does a lot, a lot of damage. Uh, so that is kind of a new player tip when you feel comfortable with like what each enemy can do. Remember that your melee will kill a lot of basic type enemies in one hit. Uh, so don't forget about that. I did mention one of the risks to using the melee is you might mess up your adrenaline. And so this is one of those, I don't, I feel like this is one of the like unique mechanics that Returnal has. I've never played another game that has something like this. I don't know if you can think of anything. Uh, there's something there, but I, I can't exactly pinpoint it. There's <laughs> right. something, there's some, it came from somewhere. Right. I can't exactly pinpoint it though. So the way it works is as you attack and as you kill enemies, your adrenaline starts to build up until level uh, five or six. Can't remember. I think it's five. five. Yeah. Um, and but the thing, and so each increasing adrenaline level will give you buffs. Uh, like you'll get extra ammo, or you'll get extra projectiles that just fly out of your weapon. Or um, at adrenaline level five, I think you can take one hit for free, basically. But uh, the thing is, if you get hit before level five or on level five, if you get hit twice, your adrenaline resets to zero. And when I heard this, I thought uh, this is going to be really annoying because uh, I thought like this game's hard. I'm going to be getting hit a lot. Uh, but I really like this and it, it was not annoying and it was more just kind of like a bonus. I've read people that say like, make sure you go into a boss fight at adrenaline level five. And I'm like, yeah, I get like, it's not, not bad to go in at level five, but it's definitely not necessary. I don't think. Uh, And I, I kind of feel like this, I got this idea in my head that this would be like a, if you're at level zero, you're boned, you have to be at high adrenaline. And it's not like that. Yeah, I think uh, most important is just be on level one, which uh, gives you more time to do the active reload, and it lets you active reload earlier. Mm-hmm. I think that's the most helpful one. The other ones are you get more money, or you get more. Um, there's another one that gives you more melee attack. I don't think those are as necessary as being able to reload faster or be able to have more time to do your active reloading. Um, right. The rest of them pretty trivial, really, except for the first one. And I think third one is melee, but unless you're really going in hard on the boss, you don't really need melee. Yeah, and like at some point, I maybe I'm just like mixing two systems up, but I felt like at some point extra projectiles started coming out of my weapon at like high adrenaline levels. Maybe I'm just like... I think that's a mod, one of the mods. Yeah, that you grab. maybe I just had a weapon trait that I didn't fully understand. Um, but definitely level five because you get a free hit, and that's really helpful. But I don't know. I thought it was going to be this thing where I'm like, I'm fighting a boss. I got hit. I got knocked down to level zero adrenaline. I can't beat this now. And it's it's 100% not like that. So like, just treat your adrenaline as kind of a bonus. If you know you're going to go do one of the challenge rooms or something like that, yeah, maybe try to get up to level five when it starts, but it builds pretty quickly. You only have to kill a couple enemies to get up to level one. So it's not it's really not as bad as it sounded to me at the beginning. Yeah, I have to completely agree with you there. It's a, it's a cool system. It just rewards the player for not getting hit. And if you do get hit, you just build yourself back up. You know? And there's enough enemies to build yourself. Usually there's enough enemies to build yourself back up pretty quickly. Right. Yeah, so 
I don't know. That's the combat. Anything else about the combat that you think is noteworthy that we haven't mentioned so far? Uh, it's really just shooty, shooty, pew, pew, dodge, dodge, you know? Right. At the core of it, <laughs> at the core of it, uh, there's a lot of things we've talked about, but at its core, Returnal is shooty, shooty, dodge, dodge, pew, pew, zip, zip, grapple, grapple. Yeah. And I, I, uh, going back to the ADS, I really don't, like you said, it's really not necessary. I'm used to games where I have to snap that ADS, you know, the right. horizon these days. But yeah, you just shoot from the hip all the time. It's not as snappy as a lot of those other shooters are. You know, you just do the snap aim, snap aim. You got to snap aim. You got to hold down that left trigger. Hey, you just run around shooting. Just hold the, <laughs> hold the right trigger down. Don't worry about that left trigger unless you're shooting your alt. Right. That's uh, yeah, that's pretty pretty much true. Yeah, shoot from the hip, especially if you got one of those kind of like automatic firing weapons if you're if you have one of those weapons where you only get one shot uh before like you have to reload later then maybe yeah shoot more carefully but for most of the weapons don't worry run and gun yeah put the uh, enemies on the bullet hell as well you know it's two-way bullet hell there are challenge modes uh in returnal you can access these from your ship um like a kind of like daily challenge and stuff like that these these feel like they were like, this is a roguelike. A lot of roguelikes, you know, Binding of Isaac and stuff like that have these daily challenges that people love. Did you ever do these? Because I did not. No, nah, I don't really ever do those. Fair enough. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the game was challenging enough. I, I didn't need to. So let's uh, take a little Returnal music break. When we come back, uh, we just mentioned this is a roguelike, roguelite Um I'll get it right one of these days. So we're going to talk about how it works as, you know, that type of game. As a roguelike, roguelite, it has that structure where you are going as far as you can, you'll die, and then when you die, you go back to the beginning, you lose most of the stuff that you've collected uh, throughout your run. Um, we'll get into those. Uh, I think that if you're, I'll just say this out front, I think that if you're a fan of roguelikes, roguelites where you like to make builds and you like to pick up interesting items and you like to figure out how things fit together i don't think returnal is going to scratch that itch for you Uh, however i don't like those kind of games that much i don't care about builds um for example when i played hades i was never spending time analyzing do i pick this boon or this boon it was more just like Oh, that sounds cool. I have a couple of those already. I'll grab that one. You know, I, I don't, I'm not a build person. So this didn't bother me at all. If you are a big fan of uh, the genre, though, you might not like uh, this aspect of it. So, Ryan, how do you feel? Are you, you're a big fan of the, uh, you know, Binding of Isaac, Enter the Gungeon type yeah, of well, game? Yeah, you're not going to get any, uh, you know, combining two different guns to make a super gun sort of deal. But I, I like the way they did it. There's a little bit of synergy. Mostly you're just looking for certain pickups. You're looking for maybe alt fire cooldown is a big one. You're looking for project protection. 
You're just looking for different stat boosts, basically. You're not looking for synergy so much. Right. Because you're you're really you're most of the time you're changing weapons so often that uh you don't have time to think of you're you're just kinda wanting a general stat boost instead of uh you know all, right. you, you get different alt fires, but and alt fire cooldown's always good, but uh you know, some of them are better than others, obviously. Right. Yeah, it's not really it's not really that kind of game. Uh you're not really looking for this. You're just you're picking up what you can most of the time, but a lot of time sometimes you get choices, you get to a store and you get to choose from a few things. And if you're low on protection, maybe you want to buy some protection. If you're, you know, you want some better alt cooldown, if you have a particular gun you like, granted, you're probably going to get rid of the gun later. Yeah, you might want to get some alt cooldown for it and whatnot. But um, yeah, other than that, it's really not too many choices. Um, some of the parasites that, you, well, we didn't talk about parasites yet, but uh, there's some risk, risk reward, risk reward that you might do with certain items. Um, right. So yeah, most of the time it's just, it's pretty simple choices. Yeah, risk reward is the name of the game here for like most of the things that you pick up. So starting with your temporary uh, upgrades, temporary stuff, stuff that you lose when you die, uh, you'll pick up, you know, money, you'll pick up health, uh, whether to refill your health. Uh, Something that a lot of new players don't know is that uh, if you're at full health and you pick up a health thing, it may seem counterintuitive. Uh, It did to me. But if you pick up a health thing when you're already at full health, it will give you more maximum health. And I didn't know this for a while as I was playing. Uh, so definitely, like, even if you're at full health, especially if you're at full health, make sure you clean up all of those health upgrades that you see, uh, stuff like that. Uh, you have consumables. Uh, you can only hold three consumables maximum. Uh, I think you get new slots through the—I think you only start with one. I might be misremembering that. I think the consumables in this game are pretty uniformly bad, mostly useless. Uh, By far the most helpful consumables to me were health refill consumables and the astronaut that gives you an extra life. Other than that, I really didn't care what consumable I picked up. So that's something that is not very good in Returnal. A lot of times you find a uh, consumable that's like, you know, it'll make spikes come out of the ground, but it's not as useful as it sounds. Or it'll There's be like, where... disable all the turrets. Cool. Yeah, that, that one's fine. There's one where you jump and it causes explosions when you jump. Right, which is completely yeah. Wor- it's almost worthless. It know? is. Yeah, so some of them are, most of them are really bad, uh, but you will find consumables that refill your health. That's awesome. Uh, you'll find consumables that let you take a free hit. That's cool. Um, and then the astronaut figure, I could not have beaten the game without that. Definitely like mandatory. So I, I basically, like you're picking up all this money and eventually you go to shops and you're going to be like, okay, I need to buy some consumables. This is a roguelike, right? Spend my money on something that's going to help me. But I always just bought the astronaut enough. Like a lot of times if I go to the shop and they didn't have the astronaut, I wouldn't buy anything. I would just wait till the next shop. Yeah, it's obviously the best. Uh, it's that's an artifact, though. That's one of the mod. It's not a consumable, though. You well, can't yeah, but you, I it. guess yeah, you buy it at the shop. You're yeah, right. right. It's a, it's a shop purchase, um, and yeah, that's obviously the thing you're saving up for, or other things that might you know. Sometimes the shops might have something that increases your cooldown or gives you protection or something. So, right, which are also nice. There are a couple of things that really lean into this risk reward thing that I think the game wants you to constantly think about. So the first one is. Uh, parasites, which are uh, 
very uh, metal animation the first time you pick up a parasite and it attaches to you. They give you one good thing and one bad thing. Um, and it's your kind of choice to decide, is it worth it? And a lot of the times it is. And a lot of the times uh, the parasites have horrible things that will happen. Like you only make this mistake once, but sometimes parasites will hurt you every time you pick up an item. And then you realize like that that's basically a run ruiner because you're mm. constantly picking stuff up as you go around. Uh, so did you use a lot of parasites? Yeah, I, I loved a lot of them. A lot of them were good. And like you said, a lot of the... Uh the bad parts a lot of the downfalls of them were terrible like the pick up an eye to get hurt or there's another one that's uh you have a low like a extremely lower cooldown on your dash and your melee attacks right you just don't pick that up ever it just ruins the whole you know you're just like oh that's a garbage parasite but you know a lot of them they'll help you with your your cooldowns and they'll help you um in other ways as well um get get better pickups and stuff like that yeah some of them are pretty helpful struggling to i should have written down some specific examples but there are parasites that are really really good there's there's one that brings you back after you die uh, okay kind of a half at half health which is and it, it brings you back is after use and there's, there's literally no downfall to it it's perfect yeah it's i think be- there's one, one that brings you one. back and there's one that brings you back like with a like horrible malignancy, I think, which is another like super last resort, you know, trying right. to beat a boss. If you're going to die anyway, you know, you yeah. might as well. But might like well. maybe not, you know, pick that up right at the beginning of a level uh, where, because uh, malignancies are the other risk reward thing. Sometimes you will find items that are corrupted and you can either spend your very precious uh, permanent resource called ether to cleanse them which is a bad idea, I think, generally not worth it. Uh, or you can just open it up. There's a percent chance that you will get a malignancy. And a malignancy is a uh, debuff that you have to fill some kind of like requirements to get rid of. So you'll pick up a, I'm just going to make one up. So it'll say like your dash cooldown is greatly uh, increased. So you can't dash that much. And in order to get rid of it, you need to uh, pick up two weapons. And once you pick up two weapons, that thing's gone. Uh, There is a malignancy that says you can't pick up a new weapon. Uh, And then it'll say something like, you know, uh, pick up 300 obolites. Those are like the money. And then once you do, it's gone. And you, whatever you got the malignancy from, you, whatever benefit you got from that, hopefully it was worth it. And so I think these are the two main kind of risk reward things. So like, Ryan, did you, mess with malignant stuff or corrupted stuff it's all like you said just risk reward if i'm in a good position um i would usually yeah try it out if i have a lot of health or something uh and i don't have many worries uh, i might pick up something that's risky like the chest but if i have a good weapon and i don't need if i i'm like i'm not really looking for a weapon right now so why would i open this chest right because uh, chests only control. have weapons you're never going to find something some really good artifact in there. But yeah, usually there's also, you can get malignancies from picking up a kind of a, your obelites, your money. You can get some that way as well, but most of the time I'm just like, eh, is it worth it? So usually with the malignancy, it's, a, it's like there's a high chance or there's a moderate chance of you picking it up or whatever. So you there's a chance that you don't get the malignancy as well. 
Right. And it's, it's, sometimes it's worth the risk and sometimes it's not, just depending on what position you are in the game. It's up for the player to decide. It's one of the big choices in the game, really, is uh, if, if it's worth right. you know, use, using that. I think I only picked him up in situations where I was really struggling and it was like, you know, a big health refill, and it, but it's corrupted. And I was like, well, I'm going to die in the next room if I don't pick this up, so I might as well. I think when I was having a really good run, I would just ignore everything. Um, never uh, never mess with a really good uh, run, I think. So only when I was really desperate. So like, as you go later in the game, more and more of your pickups become corrupted. It becomes harder to find just like clean upgrades. Uh, but I feel like by the time you get to those late stages, you should have a weapon you like that you're comfortable with. So it was really all about health. Um, or if I'm trying to build my max health, I need one more health pickup to increase my max health, but it's corrupted. Do I risk that? And there's an enemy later in the game that will give you malignancies if you get hit with their attacks and it fucking sucks. Yeah, it it's Absolutely. the worst enemy in the game. So, yeah. So anyway, that's temporary upgrades as far as roguelikes go permanent upgrades that you get um, as you level up you'll get those weapon traits like we talked about earlier uh, you'll pick up ether which is an uh, it's a currency you can use to see if i remember you can use it to get more temporary money if you're a little bit short at the shop uh, you use it to unlock new consumables uh, as you go and you can use it to cleanse uh, objects to get rid of malignancy um, percentage. Right. And there's also at the beginning of each run, there's a little machine where you can toss your money in and then you can get a uh, artifact that you know yeah. buffs buffs whatever. Your ether. And, um, um, yeah, unlocks others as you unlock it as well. And I think these, uh, the ether was probably the reason, a lot of the reason why I'd get that first item and I'd get into a run a little bit. And I'm like, I'm not liking the way this is going. But I spent all that ether before. I just wasted all that ether. I might as well just keep it going. So I think in a lot of ways, uh, the ether keeps you from just abandoning a run. Uh, That's true. Yeah. Because you're, you're going through and you're, you're collecting more as you go along. You, I kind of want to make up for the ether that I threw away at the beginning of the, the beginning of the run. So well, what you're doing at the beginning is you're not just like getting an artifact. You're also unlocking it so that it might show up later. I wish that the artifacts. I wish they mattered more. Like a lot of the artifacts are like, you know, plus 10% protection, which is fine. It's better than nothing, but it's not like you're like, you're going to start your run and you're like, you get an artifact that like guides the way you want to play in that run. It's just kind of like, oh, okay, cool. This, this run, my alt fire cooldown is halved. That's cool. I hope, you know, I hope I can take advantage of this. Yeah, and the all-fire cooldown is the, one of the best ones, which is kind of sad. Uh, yeah. You mentioned the astronaut earlier. That's obviously probably the best uh, little artifact that you can get in the game. But Oh, yeah. And one other uh, one other thing you can spend ether on is those um, chambers that revive you yeah. when you die. Yeah. Uh, so those, those are handy as well. You can, through that, the chamber, uh, through the chamber, the astronaut, and a parasite, I guess you can have up to four lives in a run. Uh, but it takes a lot of luck and spending ether to get it set up that way. 
Yeah, I, I think the resurrection thing is only specific to the biome that you're in. So once you go to the next it biome, is. you just wasted the ether. So using the ether on that, if you have extra lives otherwhere and other places, is probably not worth it. Usually, because you want to say that the ether is super valuable and it's kind of rare. Uh, it can get it can really get your run going, and it can it helps you unlock all the meta stuff. Yeah. Well, and like later in the game, you'll start to uh, find a lot more ether uh, just laying around. Early in the game, one of the, quote, best ways to get ether is to, um, I think this is something they patched in later where you'll find these dead bodies or these uh, suit signals. And you can kind of like fight the monster that killed other players. Uh, kind of kind of like Neo. Like Neo has a system mm-hmm. like that where you can right. fight other players, uh, their corpses. Um, I never did this because I was, it just seemed like not enough reward for the potential of like, oh, I'm just going to bring in a really hard fight for the opportunity to get three ether. No, I'm not for me. How about you? Uh, that was patched in after the uh, initial release. So I really didn't play too much with the, the okay. signals. Um, I played a couple runs since then and they showed up, but uh, I've, I, I, did the soup signals twice and I came to the same conclusion as you not really worth it. Sometimes you get good weapons from it as well. Um, but it's all that risk reward, you know, mm-hmm. if you're feeling, if you're feeling confident, you know, why not? Same with the, uh, there's kind of boss, mini boss rooms. Same yeah. Deal. The, the challenge rooms, they have a, mm-hmm. uh, they have like a, a yellow star over the door. Same, same deal. You actually, the, those challenge rooms, uh, they have better rewards than if you beat the boss of the <laughs> yeah. of the level, if you beat the main boss. So I would do those challenge rooms if I was feeling confident and if I had enough health to, if I, you know, I wasn't struggling. Um, I, I found those worth it most of the time. I only did those in the early biome, um, like the first one, and uh, because the enemies are easier there. Uh, in the later ones where the enemies are a lot harder, I never, ever went in there. Because I was always eye on the prize. Get to the boss. Yeah, some of those ancient enemies. I know you're talking. I know you know they're what I'm talking about. Yeah, real they're, hard. They're, they're brutal. They're brutal. Yeah. So uh, I don't doubt that the rewards are pretty good, but to me, it was never worth it uh, to risk that. The other last uh, kind of permanent upgrade that you get is the uh, Metroidvania type movement type upgrades. So you get like a. Uh, you get the melee attack, you get a, uh, let's see, you get an upgrade that, you get the grappling hook, teleporter. you get the one that lets you go underwater. The teleporters, wor- uh, yeah, that's pretty good. The worthless. teleporters, right. So what these do, like some of them, like the grappling hook is really useful in combat to get out of a bad situation or to uh, explore and kind of reach every ledge in the room. Early in the game, you'll go to these rooms that have unreachable ledges with grapple points and you just you got to come back later when you can. The other thing that these do, though, is they kind of unlock shortcuts where if you want to skip a whole level, you can uh, by using these, especially the grapple hook. That's another risk reward, though, because you're not going through picking up money, picking up health upgrades, finding new weapons. You're going straight to a harder biome. I never did this, even though the runs are really long. You would think, like, I want to cut a half hour out of this run. I just never did. I, yeah, same with me. I, I usually went through and tried to get as many upgrades as possible. And another thing that we didn't talk about, it's kind of a silly thing, is weapon proficiency. 
Mm-hmm. So the more enemies you kill, you build up these little bars and you get new different levels and then you can get uh, better weapons. Right. So you, you really want to work on a weapon proficiency. It's kind of a underrated stat that you underrated stat that you really want to work on so you can get better weapons later in the game. Mm-hmm. If you skip if you skip all those enemies that you get that weapon proficiency stuff up on, then uh, you're gonna have some pretty garbage weapons going into the third the later biomes. Well, every the beginning of every biome has an item that raises your weapon proficiency to what they think is the minimum for that biome. So like but I I I think you will be under equipped for sure. Even like weapon proficiency won't be as good as it could be and you won't have a couple of useful items. You won't have your health upgraded. I think like it's cool if you want to mainline straight to like the last biome and skip a couple of levels by using those uh shortcuts, you can, but for me it was not a good idea. Again, it's just uh it's all it's all up to the player, different playstyles, you know. Yeah. So, um I guess we we covered a lot of this, so just a couple of questions uh for you, Ryan. Does this pass the roguelike uh one more run test for you where you die and you immediately think, "Okay, let's go. Let's do it again." Uh, I played before the patch, so not really because I know that every run is going to be you know, <laughs> Oh, that's true. At yeah. least 1 hour minimum, probably more. You know, it's going to be one and a half, two hours. So it's not one of those games where you say, oh, just one more run, one more run, one more run. It's not one of those games where you're up at 4 or 5 a.m. saying, oh, I got to do one more. Mm-hmm. It's one where you kind of got to sit down and dedicate that time to it. For me, it was. Yeah. But for you, maybe after the patch, you could you could cut out in the middle of the run and come back well, to it later. Not necessarily like, would you stop in the middle? But like, so for me, I just had this experience and I think they laid this out in a really masterful and also evil way where like you you die you wake up in the ship or outside of the ship uh, you you picked up some ether on your last run so you want to go to that machine drop your ether in get your new item okay well you're right next to the door you're literally right in front of the door to the first room i might as well go in there and you know clear that first room oh okay i beat the first room i might as well keep going and then you know an hour later i'm still playing where I would. I might have just stopped after I died. It did get me in that uh, mm. that that mode. Yeah, I can agree with that. Absolutely. Um, there's not really much abandoning runs. Once you're in a run, you're not. Because in other roguelites, I'll just be like, "Oh, this run's going like shit. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just start over." But with this game, uh, there's a lot of you're spending that. Like I said, you're spending that ether at the beginning. You're like, "Oh, I've invested, you know, twelve ether. That's you know, an hour of collecting ether." <laughs> Yeah, that's an hour of collecting ether. Um, I might as well just keep going and keep going and seeing where this goes and try to try to survive as long as I can. I found my, myself struggling a lot, but I, 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 you know, like like I said, with other ones, I would have just gave up and started over. But with this one, I'm like, I'm gonna try to push through. I'm gonna just keep playing hard. I never really gave up on any runs like I do with a lot of other roguelites. Yeah, and that's I don't know partly because a lot of those other roguelikes have a lot of customization and like variety in what you're doing. So you will get runs in Hades where you're you're not getting the stuff that you want or in uh, Gungeon where you're just like, I can't find a good gun on this run. This is kind of shit. I'm just going to die and restart. In Returnal, I guess that is a benefit of it not being great in you know the customization and build variety ways is like, there is no bad run, especially later in the game when you've got all the guns unlocked. You'll find them sooner or later. 
and the other question I wanted to ask you was like, so as a fan of roguelikes, I know you've played several of them of, you know, different types, maybe not the, you know, pure roguelikes, or maybe you have, and then other stuff like, um, I don't know, Hades or uh, Crypt of the Necrodancer or Deathloop or something like that. Uh, does this kind of, does this game work for you in that way? Uh, does it scratch a roguelite itch? Yeah, for sure. It's got a lot of variety to it. It's, you know, it's uh, like we said, it's quite simple with upgrading everything. But there is variety to the maps and there is, uh, it is a lot of fun to dodge around. Uh, you won't find your playstyle changing as much as you would with a game like uh, Hades or with uh, Gungeon. You won't find that that you won't get at that level, but it does scratch that itch uh, to where it doesn't feel repetitive so much. You mm-hmm. know, you're, you're every every run's going to be a little different, and it's going to be and it's still a lot of fun. You know, yeah, my runs ended up being like very similar because I knew like electro pylon driver that's my shit. Once I find one of those, I'm not picking up a new weapon uh, unless it's a better electro pylon driver, um, and. Yeah, like the items and stuff like that, they don't really give you that variety. So, but like, I'm not a fan of Enter the Gungeon, Binding of Isaac type stuff uh, where you're like starting completely fresh and this run will be totally different from the next run. Those really aren't my kind of games. My style with this is much more like Hades where you're working along with a story that keeps you going. The combat is fun, but like that variety, that build variety is not something that I value. Uh, so I this did work for me because, like I said earlier in the episode, the time loop, the roguelike stuff, it plays in with the story really, really well. And I always wanted to keep going to find the next story thing, uh, just like in Hades. It's, it's really not playing for the love of roguelikes uh, in Returnal for me. And I, I don't know, like I've heard from people who play games like The Binding of Isaac and stuff like that. And this game's really disappointing in that way. Just the stuff that I like, this game hits everything that I like. Yeah, that's a good, good point. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it is similar to Hades in the way that it does keep you motivated to continue playing even after you beat it to unlock the other story elements. I know with Hades, a lot of people probably, they, they play on the first heat they kill Hades and then they just move on. But you know, that's what uh, I did <laughs> move on with their life. But yeah, for me, I, I, I kept increasing that heat and make it more challenging. I kind of wish Returnal had something like heats that made things a little more challenging, maybe gave you more incentive to continue playing even after the story's finished. Mm-hmm. But you know, it is what it is. It's a, it's a decent game. Highly recommended on my part. Yeah. This is, and I've said this before, but like when I play roguelikes, I have that thing where like once I beat Hades the first time, even though in my brain I knew there's more stuff, my brain was like, you're done with Hades. Like we are not interested in playing this game anymore. Uh, Same thing in Dead Cells. When I beat the final boss for the first time, I know that's not the end of the game, but I was moved on totally. And so Returnal is like that but i think there is a very clear like you got the final ending this game is over now it doesn't really mm-hmm. have a lot left for you unless you just love playing it you know sure yeah and i absolutely agree with you there it's uh once it's over it's kind of over and that's yeah. what that's how it compares to maybe an open world game or something like that there's really 
not much to do unless you really like shooty shooty pew pew bang bang (laughs) which i do which i do but uh, it is a yeah it is a kind of start to finish uh story based experience for sure and that's and that's what i like but but yeah once again if you're the type of person who just really loves those you know classic roguelikes i i don't this game might not land for you we'll we'll see it it really depends on how much you like the play and the story so we're going to take a little break when we come back it's time for final thoughts uh, about returnal before the spoiler section So time for final thoughts on Returnal. Uh, do we recommend and stuff like that? Guest goes first. So Ryan, what do you want to know people or what do you want people to know about uh, Returnal? Yeah, it's a, it's a great game all around. Uh, it has exactly what I look for in a shooty, shooty, pew, pew game. As you mentioned, it's very arcade-like. There's a lot of snap movements. You got to turn around a lot, a lot of shooting this way, a lot of shooting that way, a lot of dodging this way, jumping that way. And later in the game, a lot more movement uh, possibilities. Uh, it also has some an intriguing story, and it, as you mentioned before, it kind of gives you little puzzle pieces throughout, and you're kind of piecing together this puzzle and trying to figure out the whole big picture. Uh, it has a lot of intrigue there for me, and um, yeah, silky smooth. Visuals blew me away. Uh, they put they pulled off a pretty interesting game uh, for a triple. Like I guess we're gonna call this maybe the first AAA roguelite. Game. I know we're mentioning Death Loop a lot here, but this came before Death Loop. Um, yeah, all around uh, pleasant experience. Highly recommended. Yeah. So for me, like I'm with you. the The first thing I want people to know is that this game is a blast uh, to play. It's just super fun to, you know, dodge, dodge, shoot, shoot. As we've been saying, really, really fun. Really responsive, um, and just like. Yeah, it feels like a super arcadey game as a lot of AAA games, I feel like, get weightier. You know, God of War got slower and weightier. Um, Horizon Zero Dawn is a pretty, you know, Aloy's not zipping around, jumping 15 feet up in the air and stuff like that. Uh, Dark Souls is obviously its own class of weightiness and stuff like that. Uh, Returnal is not one of those games. It's super... Um, super quick. You jump really high, you dash really far. It feels like an arcade game. Um, so that's the first thing. It's a blast to play. And then after I had some time to like sit and digest the story, I know that I said earlier, I didn't pick up on it a lot, but after I had time to like sit and digest it, watch some YouTube videos as I do with all games like this, uh, I think the story is really cool and it has a lot of different ways that you can interpret it because this like the game will never just straight up say this is exactly what's happening um it's still left open to your interpretation there are a lot of good uh theories that people have come up with there are some you know themes that nobody can argue uh throughout the game 
Um, and there are some beat by beat plot things that the game does tell you. Those are pretty cool. But really what it comes down to for me is the gameplay, I think is like really like top level, best in class type stuff, super smooth. And uh, the visual and audio design is really awesome. And what it does with the PS5 controller um, is, is really cool. And maybe we're going to look back on this in five years when everything on the PS5 does this. And we're going to think like, yeah, that was cool, but everything else does it now. But at this point in time, when, you know, some games will be like, it'll give you some resistance when you want to pull a trigger on a gun or something like that. But Returnal, I feel like was built from the ground up with that controller in mind. And it's, it's real, real good. So yeah, definite recommend uh, to anyone who is up for a challenging third-person shooter experience. If you're the type of person who gets really frustrated easily and will like put a game down if it's frustrating, maybe Returnal's not going to be for you. And if you're somebody who, in a roguelike, has to have that build variety, that synergizing of stuff, Returnal doesn't have that, so you might not like that. Uh, but I still think the play and the story is good enough that you gotta, you should give it a try. So, little housekeeping before we go into Spoiler Town. Uh, if you're going to tap out now because you don't want to be spoiled on the story, um, the story is really good. I want you to experience it without spoilers. So stop listening if you uh, if you ever think you're going to play this game. And if that's you, thank you for listening. And if you want to support Tales from the Backlog, Please uh, subscribe on your platform of choice. Leave a rating and review if you can. Spread the good word, all of that stuff. Talk to me on social media. You'll find the links in the episode description. Also check out my other show. It's called A Top 3 Podcast. And each week we pick a topic and we kind of discuss. Those are with my best friends from high school. So it's uh, years and years of friendship and uh, chemistry. Yeah. (laughs) So check out a top three podcast. Please support both shows however you can. And thank you for listening. Ryan, you got anything you want the uh, people to know about? No, just everything you just said. Check out the old episodes. Check out the new episodes. Check out everything Dave does. Yeah. And like we said before, Ryan guested on uh, three episodes in the past, Ghost of Tsushima, uh, A Short Hike, and Soma. Uh, Those are good episodes. I especially um, really, really like that Soma episode. Yeah, there's a lot of story talk in there. It was. And we're going to get into some spoiler talk, uh, story talk, when we come back from the break. Here is that content warning that I warned you about earlier in the episode. Returnal deals heavily with the uh, themes and story beats involving, number one, the loss of a child. Uh, So if that is something that is um, going to uh, cause any discomfort or distress for you, do not play Returnal or be very, very careful. But like, you can't avoid it. This is not one of those things that people are piecing together, you know, like, 
this is straight up given to you in a cutscene. Uh, so it deals with the loss of a child. Um, there is lots of stuff dealing with uh, trauma, um, perhaps uh, domestic abuse, you know, bad home situations, stuff like that. Uh, elderly abuse uh, later in the game. Uh, there's one scene that depicts that. Um, yeah. Anything else you can think of, Ryan? Yeah, you pretty much covered all the uh, undertones there. And it's kind of a funny thing because these aren't exactly blatant. It's not blatantly out there. Some of these themes are just kind of hints. The at- the, tr- the trauma stuff is kind of hinted at. There, I mean, there is a cutscene where a child drowns in a car, though. So, uh, like, it doesn't show her drowning, but it's, it's you don't see a de- dead child body, right? But it's it's very strongly hinted that that's what happens. So again, yeah, there's the content warning. Those are the things you should be aware of um, before playing. So, uh, begin spoiler talk before we get into the story. Let's talk about uh, gameplay stuff. So, what was your favorite level? My favorite biome was probably the water biome because it's such a big shift from the other biomes. Yeah, it's and fucking the, creepy, man. Just the sound and like the yeah, the whole feeling of everything and especially wearing the headphones, it made you feel kind of like you're underwater. And just yeah. the phys- the physics completely changed. Uh, it all had water physics in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you suddenly jumped a lot farther and uh, you moved <laughs> a lot differently. It was really cool. Um, I also really liked the desert, the second biome, which was the desert biome. Right. Uh, it, it was it, the beginning of it in particular. It made you feel like it was kind of an open world. It made you feel like it was vast, but really you were just going from one battleground to the next battleground to the next right. battleground. But it made it, it made you feel like it was just really open. And then there's this big tower in the distance that you're heading towards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That abyss, I, maybe <laughs> I've heard some people say that it, that abyss level kicked off some thalassophobia uh, for people because it it's dark. You're way down in the water. There's monsters and strange lights out in the distance. It's a really creepy level. I said earlier, I don't think this is a scary game, but that is the type of thing that I'm kind of surprised I wasn't as scared by. Maybe because I played Soma and Soma has a, you know, abyss level too, you know? So... And I really like the jungle levels, especially the uh, the second one that's a little bit lighter, um, Biome 4, I guess it is. Uh, level 5 was such a pain in the ass, the ice level. Yeah, I hated that one. That was my least favorite for sure. That's and that. So, like, what sucks about that is there's no boss fight. Instead, you have to go through these three sp- – you have to complete these three spokes and get an item. And uh, this was the hardest thing in the entire game for me was getting those three items. Yeah, same with me. Uh, it was one of the hard. It was one of the other hurdles that I had. Besides the first boss, say first boss was the hardest thing in the game, and then the ice level, getting through and going and collecting those three things. It was tough. You're fighting all those ancients, and those ancients are hard dudes. Those uh, those flying like those drone things are really hard too. The they, missile they'll drones. fuck you up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you get there's one room where you're fighting like, three of those ancient dudes, and you got those drone dudes hitting you as well. It's yeah, it's hard. So like there's two spokes that are like long series of levels. And then the other one is a mandatory challenge room with waves, right? So I always did the wave one first because uh, I did not want, because they increase in difficulty as you go. So I did not want that to be the hardest part of the level. Then the only time I beat this, I think I got through on a bug. 
I, I beat the challenge room. I beat one of the other spokes. I got to the end of the last spoke and I died on the boss in there. It was one of those big, you know, humanoid alien type dudes that are really hard. But I had that, that revive chamber unlocked. And so I went all the way back to that. I went through the level again and the boss just wasn't there. So I went through, I grabbed the third item and <laughs> I don't know how many more tries it would have taken me. I was having such a hard time uh, with that fifth biome and that's how I got through it. It feels like a bug, but I don't feel bad. <laughs> yeah, it, it might be intended that way. It, w- it would be awful to go back and he's full health after you've already picked up everything. Right. Yeah. Along the way, all your health pickups are gone. Yeah. Uh, use my astronaut. Yeah, you know. Your... <laughs> yeah. That's how I got through. Did you have a favorite boss? Uh, I think the obvious choice for favorite bosses is going to be either Nemesis or Hyperion. Hyperion mm-hmm. was probably my favorite. Uh, Nemesis is a close second. Hyperion was the organ guy. And right. the music was so sick. Going up that tower, getting to him was incredible. And then you finally get to him and he's just doing his thing on the organ, just jamming out. And the song is so good. It is. And yeah. it's uh, just like it's one of the better moments in the whole game. Uh, Nemesis is my second favorite, the giant, uh, just because you're kind of in this weird void and you're falling and you're using your grappling hook to get, climb up higher and shoot and shooting. And yeah, it was really just the, all the bosses are fun. I think the least fun boss is the first one. The first and the last boss are kind of a joke. I think. The, the first or one's the, just a dude, you know, like yeah. once you see what a lot of the other bosses are, uh, the first boss is kind of lame by comparison but like i can't forget that the first boss killed me like 15 times before i finally beat him so he he was tough the nemesis fight is like it was so cool like i like my mouth was like wide open when i was fighting i was like in awe of what was happening it felt like such a next gen thing It, it felt like one of those things where i was like holy shit this is what video games can be like you know, it was pure like arcade video game joy in that third boss. I, I really loved it. Yeah, and the second boss, the flying guy, was also a whole lot of fun. Uh, yeah, that was the one where like I beat him, I beat the second boss, and then I beat Nemesis, and I beat Hyperion, and then got halfway through level five all in the same run. Like beat them all on my first tries. I was just having this like super blessed run <laughs> all then level five crushed it because level five is so goddamn hard but yeah. yeah yeah i like i don't i mean this game only has five bosses but i think they're all really good um boss one is pretty simple but he does the job of getting you ready for you know what the game's all about really yeah i agree um great boss design uh, other than the first one i think the the final boss is kind of anticlimactic he's kind of a lot of the same he's kind of like a bed of chaos or something you know just like a giant wall kinda he is pretty puzzly yeah yeah right and it's it's more of a puzzle boss which i've never i've never been a big fan of puzzle bosses in general yeah but thematically that final boss when it starts changing its form and first it's like a you know cthulhu monster thing then it's a you know something a bit more familiar and then its third phase is Celine keeps changing the way it looks that's the cool thing so it's more of a like you know 
thematically cool final boss like Gwyn in Dark Souls or something like that more than, you know, the Radiance in Hollow Knight, which is like, you have to be a fucking master to beat this. Yeah, it's, that it's was not really like that. One of my biggest uh, boss feats is Radiance. Beating the Radiance? Yeah, yeah I never was, did. That took me hours, hours. <laughs> yeah, this this is not like that. It's it's more of a... I mean, it is hard. Like I said, I I think I got to the boss room maybe six times and I beat it three times only with the electro pylon driver. So like, it's, it's not easy. Uh, so yeah, it, it was cool. It was fine. Uh, it was perfectly fine. Uh, like you said, all the bosses are good design. Just the first one was just kind of boring. Was, like you said, it was just a guy, just some yeah. dude, just some dude hanging out in the bottom of a hole until it starts changing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hyperion was my other, like just very cool boss, like visually, like you everything you said, visually it's cool. The attacks are not that hard. Like I said, I beat him my first try, but the music is so cool. The, the organ, the fact that like you heard that song the whole time as you're going through that level, the story significance possibly with that song I'll talk about in a minute, but yeah, cool. I think, I think all the bosses are at least good, like baseline level of pretty good right there's not a bad there's not a bad boss right yeah and it is cool again that like i'm uh i'm trying to get to the last boss i'm trying to beat ophion at the end i don't have to go beat hyperion again i don't have to go collect those three things in the the ice level yeah yeah you can after you beat them once you you can be done with them i did go back and play hyperion again because it's such a fun cool boss fight and then you know Obviously, if you're going through the different runs, we're going to talk about that in a minute, I guess. But you have to fight Nemesis if you want to play through the first run. Oh, right. Yeah. So after you beat Nemesis the first time, uh, did you think the game was over? Did you think you beat the game? Yeah, 100%. 100%. I was like, wow, that's kind of... It felt on the shorter side, but it was was a lot of fun. I mean, at that point, I probably put more than 10 hours into it. I was like, "Eh, right, probably more closer to, yeah, 10 hours, probably 10 hours or so. Yeah, it was probably I, probably my tenth or between ten and fifteen runs that took me to get there and beat him. Yeah, like I so I always check on how long to beat dot com. Like how long does a game take? And so it said Returnal takes twenty hours or so. And I might have been at twelve or fifteen, but I also, like I said, I beat the second boss on my first try, and then I like I didn't die all the way through. So I thought I was just like oh, other people maybe struggle with this level. I didn't. That's why I'm getting to the end faster. I, I totally thought that was over, but it's a super cool like fake out uh, when you reach the the white shadow and you find out that it was Celine, uh, Celine's yeah. distress call. It's a major like, oh shit, this, uh, this story. Okay, I'm in on this story. Wherever it goes from here, I'm in. It was very like, like lost almost. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that final, the the credit scene, I guess, uh, the final scene, the epilogue of the first run through where she goes on and lives her life. Right. Yeah. And she's playing the piano. It's got some little piano stuff going on with it. And she gets yeah. old. So she's like playing out her life after escaping and then um, she dies and they lower her down into her grave. But it's like the camera's like looking up from the bottom of the grave and you, you start to go way deeper than a normal grave is. And you're like, Oh, uh, okay. Something's not right here. And then you wake up at the ship again. 
Um, and I, I didn't say this in the non-spoiler part, but you you basically repeat the first two levels on... Um, it's supposed to be like in the future. Yeah, it's like in the distant future because the tower and stuff in level two... I think it's supposed to be the amount of time between her leaving uh, Atropos and... But from the first one and when she dies. So like 40 or 50 years or 60 years or something. Oh, I got the feeling that it was way longer because like stuff is so decrepit in mm. the second set of biomes compared yeah, to right. the first. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I that's the feeling I got from it. That, that for some reason time passed when she escaped or when she escaped Atropos and then went and lived her life. And then when she died, she went back to repeat. That's that's the feeling I got from it. But, yeah, that's fair. It's um, but it was definitely like a kind of oh shit. You know, I thought this game was over. I I saw her escape the planet and live out her life, and then no, that's clearly not what's happening. She's still trapped in this um this cycle. So I'll get into what I think of that is in a second. But like, do you remember that that cutscene that shows like a. I forget exactly where this is, but that cutscene that shows like an anti-aircraft gun that shows that that's what shot Helios down out of the sky. But it's like, I don't know if it was like Celine shot the gun or someone else did, but you like, you kind of see it happen in real time. Things start to get real, like time loop madness, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's getting kind of like, you know, uh, paradoxical sort yeah. of feeling but you are getting into like, I don't know, really, you, you're starting to lose like any sense that like this time loop is going to make like perfect sense once you find out that it was Celine that sent the white shadow signal. So after that, I was pretty much just along for the ride with whatever happened, you know. And then you start just finding after you find the white shadow, don't you just start finding your own dead body all over the place? That was uh, you. You find your dead body uh, from the very beginning. That's where you right. find... Some of the Metroidvania upgrades. Oh, okay, I think. right, 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 right. And then, um, yeah, that's that's one of the first things that happened in the game, and I didn't say it in the spoiler section either. This is what is uh, different about this as a time loop game, because this isn't Groundhog's Day, where you're just waking up and reliving the same day. Celine actually finds her own dead body, so that was kind of what differentiates it from what I assume is going on in Death Loop or you know Majora's Mask stuff like that pretty cool yeah it is cool it's a it's an interesting story an interesting way of just putting it all together yeah so time to get into what we think is uh going on in the story uh do you have an interpretation you want to share or do you want to want me to give mine first uh you probably you've done your research a little better than i have i'll uh i'll tell you what i think uh is different from your interpretation, perhaps would be it would be easier. Mine would be a little too simplistic. Okay, so I have a uh, pretty extensive uh, notes here. This is one thing that I did write down uh, everything I think. So, in in my opinion, this is a story about kind of living with and facing your uh, trauma, basically from the death of um, Helios, who's the kid. Um, I think Helios is the kid. Uh, I think. You get a cutscene in the house that shows like yep. the name on the door. On the door, yeah. That's that's how I figured it out the first time. I was like, ah, the kid's Helios, so she's abandoning ri- Helios. Yes, yeah, she's leaving it. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Like 
when you leave the ship, it it doesn't say. I, I think the wording is important when it says Helios abandoned when you leave the ship, uh, similar to how she left the car in that crash as the car is sinking down. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, my personal interpretation, and like, just to be clear, I did not come up with this 100% on my own. Um, Celine goes, uh, Celine never goes to space. I think this is happening in her imagination. Um, Maybe in a dream, maybe just uh, delusions, whatever. But I don't think she actually goes to space. Um, but she, she got a rejection letter, right? It's I thought that her... was her mom's rejection letter. Okay. So either way, I don't think that she but went she, to space. It, she had pictures of herself as an astronaut, right? In her house. She does, but I don't know what I can trust as like, you know, true. Mm, so There's also a theory that... Uh, Celine's mom is the one who's doing all the astronaut stuff and they look very similar. And there's a theory because Celine has two different color eyes and that's a, I guess it's a genetic condition. I didn't write that theory down, so I'm not going to go too much further into that. But uh, what I think, uh, and this is why the difficulty of the game thematically fits uh, because difficulty processing trauma, reliving traumatic events over and over again fits with the time loop and the difficulty of conquering it, I think. And okay. So I had written down that Celine was the one who got rejected from the astronaut, uh, from Astra, the, the, yeah, the company. I think, yeah. I think there's several hints to it and there's a couple of voice logs that talk about it a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, and looking through the house, there's a couple of letters and whatnot and you see if there's a picture. So I don't know. Was oh, she in right. it? Was she in Astra and then she couldn't do a mission, I think, is what happened? I think, so there's some notes like psych evaluations about uh, Celine, I think, that maybe say that she was like, at least like in hot water with Astra, maybe. Um, What I was thinking of is that um, her mom was uh, paralyzed from the waist down. And so she could not become an astronaut. So that's why Celine... Uh, was trying to become an astronaut to kind of like, you know, follow her wishes. Maybe it was one of those things where like the kid is trying to fulfill the parents' dreams to get some kind of approval because they, it's very clear they had a horrible relationship. Uh, Celine and uh, Thea is her her name. That goes in with those names you were talking about in Greek mythology. Yeah. Um, Hyperion would be Celine's father if you're putting names together right, so that way. Selene is the god of the moon and mm-hmm. uh, Hyperion is her father, which is, and then Thea would be her mother. And then uh, the, the daughter's name, uh, the, the ship and the daughter, that's the god, Helios is the god of the sun. Right. Like that. So that would make Hyperion Selene's father. Uh, so he's playing that organ, and I think Celine is haunted by that song uh, because it was a song that was played maybe during a funeral when her mom died or something like that. Um, it, it's a song, it, whatever the connection is with the song, it's something connected to her father and something that caused her a lot of distress, I think. So that's why that song keeps playing, and she's saying, like, someone shut that damn song up and stuff like that. <laughs> So in the scene, uh, when we are, when they're in the car uh, driving down the road, uh, this is that cutscene in the game. The uh, 
you see this in the secret ending that she sees an astronaut in the road and she is that astronaut, right? Um, she swerves in, off the bridge. Right, and goes into the lake. So, so I, what do you think? Well, I, I guess that she caused the accident that killed her daughter. This whole thing is about her accidentally killing her daughter, right? And then her going through this grief in her mind and battling her demons, so to say. And going through and uh, just, I don't know, trying to deal with her trauma is what what I took from the story. Yeah. And that her being the astronaut kind of shows that she's the one who caused the accident, that it was her distraction. Right. Not dist- literally an astronaut in the road, but as she's remembering this crash, the astronaut that causes her to swerve is whatever. Maybe she saw a deer or something. Maybe she was just distracted looking into the back seat. But she clearly feels like it's 100% her fault that this crash happened. Yeah, and I saw that as uh, her 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 dream of becoming an astronaut was getting in the way with taking care of her daughter or was distracting from that. Mm-hmm. And that she felt guilt and that's why she saw the astronaut and went off. Um, yeah, no telling what really caused the accident, but that's how I interpreted it. Yeah, I... I, I don't know about the cause, but I think it's pretty clear to me, at least, that like the fact that the astronaut is there means that she thinks it's be, it's her fault, like totally her fault. Right. Uh, so here's where this here's where this uh, theory gets going. So the game is um, kind of going through stages of grief, right? First three bosses. Uh, the first boss is just a super angry, like shrieking dude. Frike is his name. Um, so <laughs> as you go through climbing up and up and up the mountain, you think that like she is slowly succeeding on her quest, right? Uh, climbing up over these like early emotions of uh, anger and like lashing out and stuff like that, which is what the first and second bosses kind of fit that theory with the way they act, you know? The third boss is its own nemesis is its own you know epic confrontation you know stuff like that going up and up and up and up right act two is where you start going down deeper and deeper into like celine's psyche subconscious psyche yeah dealing with issues like at the root instead of things outside i guess that's my theory um because you are going down um you uh let's see you take a teleporter into uh, the ice level, you jump down or you take a teleporter down to where the ice level is, and then you go way down into the abyss um, and stuff. So this is where it gets uh, personal. I also noticed some um, vocabulary that suggests they're really dealing with uh, injuries. Um, level five is called the fractured wastes. Uh, level six is called the abyssal scar, uh, physical and mental damage there's also other people have pointed out um some of these levels have stuff around like set dressing that looks like vertebrae and like you know backbones and rib cages and stuff like that uh so yeah before i get into that like uh what do you think (laughs) yeah i think you're right on i i can i can see where you're coming from here Uh, i didn't really pick up on some of that, I didn't pick up on the backbones and I didn't really pay attention to the names of the levels, but that makes a lot, a lot of sense. 
the the sure. names that's something i i picked up by myself a lot of this other stuff came from i watched like four hours of returnal story theory videos uh, after i watched the game and i'm just kind of like cherry picking things that uh make the most sense to me i did come up with some of it though and then the final boss something i meant something i noticed where literally shifts from like you're fighting this cthulhu monster like we said to um I think the second phase looks like her mom. Yeah, there's a weird scene where it's very weird. It's after you beat the game, the the full game, and you go back and you go to the house and the basement's unlocked. Yeah. Remember that scene? Mm -hmm. And you go in there, there's a wheelchair, and then there's some sort of weird creature. And then that creature resembles um, the final boss in its second form. Right. From what I remember. What I never... It looks the same. What I never fully understood is that that creature in the basement looks like it's pregnant Hmm. uh if you if you go watch that cutscene again it looks extremely pregnant and uh she like pushes you know the thing down i don't know if that's something that caused her mom's injury some kind of thing like that or um you know where if the theory is that she's going deeper and deeper and deeper into investigating and exploring trauma then who knows if we can say like this is you know a one-to-one correlation with the real life you know but yeah that that scene in the basement was really creepy and then i did notice um that uh fighting the boss the final boss a second time it it looks like that that monster and then the third phase of the final boss is literally just her astra you know astronaut helmet so she's finally facing herself instead of all of these external things on her quest to like live with, I don't want to say overcome trauma, but like accept what happened and live on with it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I can see where you come from. Um, it's been a little while since I went through the story. Yeah. So, and I'm, uh, this is more galaxy brain than I usually get on the uh, show. I just really <laughs> dug digging into this stuff. <laughs> yeah. It was cool. It's an it's interesting way to talk about to deal with the story for sure. Um, and then and then at the end the last part after you beat the final boss the last thing you have to do is uh open the car mm. which is like the source of the trauma the sunken because car. it's it's locked the first time right when yep. you go through and you, you and then you got to go around and you meet another eldritch monster another horror with all the eyes if i remember correctly after the after you beat it the first time to get the uh to get the car key right right and then you got to go get the car keys afterwards you got to go collect all those sun chips sun chips it sounds delicious yeah <laughs> whatever they're called Could what are use they some sun-, sun chips yeah there's you got to collect some sort of emblems it's called sun emblems or something yeah they're key. it's yeah it's like sun sun fragments, fragments. or like something yeah, sun, like that yeah sun chips sounds better yeah so preferably you go around gar- you- preferably garden salsa did you have trouble getting those uh those sun things because i they can't yeah go ahead you did i was gonna say i like i looked at a guide i i was like these levels are randomly generated i don't really want to go through them over and over again until you know or maybe like miss it and go through so i looked at a guide for like what type of room to look for they weren't always correct so i think there is some variation especially level five the guide i was reading was just straight up not where I found it in level five, but I did you really have trouble? 
I just kind of found it naturally, you know, just wandering around. Like I said, I kept playing the game afterwards and just picking up, you know, because you're still picking up ciphers after you beat it and you're still doing all this other stuff as well. Mm -hmm. And then I just randomly come across those little sun chips, garden salsa. Yeah. Big fan of the uh, the garlic baguette sun chips here in Korea. Fantastic. (laughs) Sounds sweet. Yeah, not as sweet as you would think. It's not like garlic bread. Uh, in Korea, it's not as sweet as you would expect. But yeah, um, the the final, the, obviously the secret ending, I guess, is opening the car, right? And what do you figure out when you open the car? Uh, I think that's the ending where you see You're the astronaut, where you see that Celine is the astronaut, right? Yeah, in the secret ending. In the ending, you get after you beat the final boss the first time, you see the car crash, and you see. One other thing, I don't know if you remember, if you had any thoughts about it, because I'm not sure what to think. When you when you see that scene where the car is sinking and Celine's like reaching back for Helios, she gets pulled away from the car uh, by like a tentacle. Um, and I'm not sure what that means. I have a, f- yeah. you know, maybe oh, it means that she felt like it was out of her control that she couldn't save him that she got pulled away by the need to go swim to the surface and breathe again or something but i don't know yeah yeah i I don't maybe i just didn't notice the tentacle it looked like a tentacle maybe i'm maybe i'm remembering that wrong but i i'm pretty sure it looked like a tentacle lovecraftian yeah because it looks like that eldritch monster like after you beat the final boss you go kind of see this big eldritch monster um past the car so i think it looked like that with all the eyes the one with all the eyes right but yeah i guess that's that i think you're right on the right track i know it has to it all happened in her brain you know okay so you're with me on that that's that's what i figured and uh i don't know about the stages of grief but yeah it makes sense there's six stages of grief right there's six biomes I think so. Yeah. And yeah, like, I, man. I didn't go stage by stage, but like starting out with this, you know, very primal, I don't even know the stages of denial. Ang- or anger like is the first anger. one, right? And, and Frank, Frank is an angry dude. Right. And then as you go later on, it gets into like acceptance and stuff like that. Right. So, um, that's what she's doing at the end by facing herself as the final boss, I think. She's accepting that she killed her daughter and maybe beat her mother. Was that was it, is that? That's what it looked why, like. Why, yeah, her her mother was in the basement. They found, found yeah, her like shirt. so. I don't know if that's if that's the way she viewed her mother as like a monster that needs to be locked away and kept away from Helios, or if in real life she actually did keep her mom locked up in the basement. I don't know. That's that's another thing. Yeah. And there's the, the scenes where you're playing as the, the kid uh, yeah. in the house and you're eating cereal and the astronaut's with you. Yeah, trying to some... tell a story to the astronaut, but the astronaut is like not listening. Right. And if Celine is the astronaut, then that kind of shows you that mm. her relationship with the kid's not very good. She's not paying a lot of attention to the kid. And the, the kid gets scared at some points, right? Yeah. There's a... There's a part where the kid climbs into the TV and the astronaut like reaches in and chases it into the TV. There's a scene where the kid's playing a PS5. I'm not really sure what to think about that. 
<laughs> and then there's a scene with Don't Fear the Reaper with a cowbell. Yeah. Bring a cowbell in. Yeah, I should have mentioned when we were talking about soundtracks that Don't Fear the Reaper uh, plays heavily in the game. So I guess that'll be the uh, the the uh, end of the episode song for this one is Don't Fear the, bad, the Reaper. It's yeah. a badass song. It's a badass I love it. Song. Yeah, I just hope that um, whenever I have some sort of traumatic experience that happens to me, I can cope with it by doing a lot of dodgy, shooty, shooty, bang, bang, pew, pew. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Seems like a good way to cope with it, for sure. I mean, I think it's pretty clearly Celine working through some sort of trauma, but is if it is her working through the stages of grief or something like that, I think it is cool to use a, a time loop and a difficult video game to kind of, like, present that difficulty, I guess, and that, like, make some progress but reset to zero, you know? Because it's, it's not a linear path to get through what, whatever's happening, whatever you're working through. So, sure. yeah, yeah, pretty cool. Sense. Makes sense. Hello, everybody. This is Dave from the future bringing you some new thoughts about the story of Returnal at the end of the episode here, because this is thoughts that like updated based on what happened in the DLC uh, called Ascension. And in the DLC, you need to collect these uh, six flowers and to get the first set of credits. And then you need to beat the boss on level 20 of the third kind of tower phase, which is not that far. It's not that bad. Uh, But I am going to kind of share what I think about what's going on in the story now. So if you like, if you're listening to this and you don't want to be like further spoiled on the DLC, like if you haven't played it, just skip to the end of the episode. This is the end. So what I think happens is that you are kind of you're playing as Celine going through the hospital, and this is at the end of Thea's life. And you know it's Thea uh, because there are newspapers talking about um, who the driver of the car was, who gets paralyzed, um, who is kind of lashing out and has this sudden change of personality and kind of goes along with what Celine's been saying this whole time. And so there's, there's two thoughts that I have. Number one is that there are actually two car crashes there's the first one that leaves Thea paralyzed. And then there's another one with Celine later in her life. And that's, I think that's the one where uh, Helios is in the car. Helios is, is the boy and they go into the lake. Helios dies as my theory went before. And this DLC would just kind of add like another car crash. Like an, or This is how Thea got paralyzed was in this car crash. The other one, which I think is more interesting, is that, and this is actually what I'm starting to believe, is that there is no Celine. Celine is a kind of projection by Thea of her, you know, her dream job to be an astronaut, which was ripped away from her. And as she is in her, you know, last moments or after this tragedy where she was paralyzed and lost her ability to pursue her dream of being an astronaut. All of this stuff that happened is Thea kind of creating a version of herself that she was never able to pursue as Celine. And Celine may be real. I actually think she might be like maybe Thea had two kids or something like that. Or Celine is not actually real. And this is just like Thea's, you know, wish 
to become an astronaut personified almost. So if that's what's going on here, then everything you see throughout the game would still kind of be the same as what I thought my, like, my original theory was. It's just slightly shifted that Selene is a projection of Thea. All of the talk about mother being horrible, mother this, mother that, it's still talking about Thea, but it's from her, you know, child's perspective or something like that. And the reason I think this is because at the end of the DLC, Celine just kind of lays down in Thea's hospital bed, and that's the end. That is literally the last thing you see is Celine, the player character, laying down in Thea's hospital bed. And all of the imagery of Thea as this, you know, skeleton tentacle creature could be the way that Thea views herself or the way that this kind of projection of her would view her like that. So, I don't know. My my thoughts are still kind of scrambled, but I did want to kind of update this episode about what I thought about the DLC story. It does definitely give you something interesting to think about. So, uh, even if you listen to this and you haven't played the DLC story, what I just said, oh man, like w- wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. It still doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So even if you like played the main game and you didn't play the DLC and you're just listening to this, I don't really think this makes that big of a difference. But anyway, I just wanted to share that there. I am now on the side that perhaps Celine is not real at all. Uh, perhaps Celine is Thea. Thea is Celine. Einhorn is Finkel. Finkel is Einhorn. So that's it. Uh, that was just my chance to get my kind of theory about what's going on here out and kind of share it with you. If you haven't played, the DLC is very fun. It's more Returnal. Why not? All right. All right, man. What do you say we call it? Let's call it. All right. Thanks for coming on the show, dude. It's been a blast talking Returnal. I yeah, love this game. I've been looking forward to talking to you about it for a while. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, invite me back sometime. Yeah, we'll talk open some invitation, man. Whenever right. you got something you want to talk about. Great. All right. So thank you, everybody, for listening this far. Once again, if you want to support Tales from the Backlog and a top three podcast, check out social media pages. Those links are in the episode description. Leave a five-star rating and review if you can. That will help me fight the algorithm. So I appreciate everybody's support. Thank you so much. And uh, tune in next time for the next game that comes out of the backlog. Take my